2: Bus and tell me what's a happening. This is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 54. That is week twelve of the 2016 NFL season. This is Pyromaniac Mo. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter. It's all letters at Pyromaniac Mo. And you know us, we are the Pyromaniac crew. We can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and our beloved blog talk. Radio. Now before we get her going, just want to invite folks. We share the goo with you, so we want you to share reviews with us. Here is a recent one from Jake JMG123. Best fantasy podcast I've found over the years. I have used the draft kit and each year they get better and better as a company. Terrific place for up-to-date fantasy information and humor. I actually LOL while listening. These dudes are seriously hilarious while providing legit fantasy advice, Val Verde. Well, thank you, Jake. JMG, one, two, three. If you want to get your review read, get it in soon, and uh, I will turn around and read it. Um, you can do a screen grab and toss it to me at Mozambique at Pyromaniac.com. You'll be entered in our next review giveaway. And normally I read them right from iTunes, but of course, if you do a review on any other platform, do a screen grab and send it to me, and I'll be happy to read it on the air. Before we uh, get going today, uh, we heard from the Talking Heads, This Must Be the Place, often called Naive Melody. I love the lyrics there. Making it up as we go along, feet on the ground, head in the sky. It's okay, I know nothing's wrong. And we, too, are making this up as we go along. So I'm going to turn to a professional. Mr. Chris Whitman from Dynasty Happy Hour joins us today. How are you, sir?
1: I am swell. It's a fine day post-Thanksgiving apocalypse, so I'm enjoying it thoroughly. How are you this fine day? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, In fact, I saw
2: on Mike and Mike, 88% of American families have turkey. We were actually one of the 12 that did not. What did you have? We did like an antipasta kind of thing of an Italian family. So we had like all these different... Probably like five different kinds of olives and mushrooms and gabagool and all kinds of meats and cheeses and, you know, crackers and fancy smorgasbord of stuff and uh, shrimp. So it's kind of like once the football game, 1230 Eastern Standard Time game kicks off, there is just nonstop snacking going on all day long with people with various belt tightnesses going on about the couch. So we just kind of snack all day. And I love it. It takes the pressure off some of the people for cooking. And I love just, you know, snacking on uh, jumbo shrimp and uh, olives and mushrooms all day long. So it's uh, it's good for me. Fair enough. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving, sir?
1: Oh, it was good. I was a little relaxed, you know, just a uh, wife and the family. It was a good time, you know, not too much, not too little, that kind of thing. But in- that way, I can kind of pace it out through over the next like week and a half. So that's kind of how I see my Thanksgiving. It's not just like a one day extravaganza. It's kind of like a week long, you know, <laughs> getting tired from eating too much turkey thing. I like it. It's not a not a, a track meet. It's a it's a cross country exactly. race. All about the tortoise in this one.
2: I like it. I like it. Uh, my my hat is off to you, and my belt is unbuckled as well. <laughs> so I hope you uh, can get all the crumbs. well. <laughs> well, well, pillow talk already, my friend. I like this. <laughs> now, as I mentioned, you are the uh, Dynasty Happy Hour. Now, Chris can be found on Twitter at ChrisWhitman11, C-H-R-I-S-W-H-I-T-M-A-N-1-1. Now, aside from your loathing of Mr. Coleman <laughs> on Atlanta, and I don't know if you want to... Uh, rehash this oh, i don't oh, want you to get you, sure. you're angry but why don't you elaborate on that and a bit about uh, dynasty happy hour for us
1: all right so let me do the dynasty happy hour first that's a little bit easier and less controversial so we're a podcast <laughs> that started around april i myself actually returned to the country about a year ago now i was living in the middle east for about six years and a friend of mine and i we decided to start a podcast and so we both do fantasy dynasty specifically very heavily and we thought hey we have very conflicting styles very different I mean, in terms of playing, in terms of talking, whatever else, presentation. So we thought, hey, might not make a podcast. And we actually recently brought on a third person, Tim Keller, and he's just really well rounded the show. He's kind of a balance between both of us. And yeah, I mean, I kind of specialize in running backs, and which is why it's funny about Tim and Coleman. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we've been doing, I think we're about, uh, you know, 50 episodes so far. We do about two episodes a week. We were, you know, starting in the off season, kind of going forward. You know, we do a lot of different stuff. I mean, I think what really was a big kind of eye-opener was um, the difference between Dynasty and regular redraft during the year, like podcasts such as yourself. I mean, when you showed me the stats that you were looking at from like a game-to-game level and a week-to-week level, I was just going, yeah, no, we don't do that at all. And it's not because we're not stats-based. I mean, I, I'm very analytical, but we, always, I always look at it from like a retroactive point of view and kind of look towards the future and to try to, to, to predict things as opposed to you're picking things off of, you know – Sample sizes and trying to do it on a week-to-week basis, and like I admire the hell out of that man. That's so hard, you know, comparatively. Like I always look at things from an off-season to off-season perspective, and about trends that happen throughout the year, and t- like that's how I look at it. I could never do it from a week-to-week basis. So I mean, my hat's off to you. It's fantastic. But uh, the joke about Tevin Coleman. So in the off-season, one of the big storylines, especially among Dynasty, this is much bigger about Dynasty than Redraft, was uh, about Tevin Coleman, about the belief that Tevin Coleman was. By and far the superior running back in Atlanta, and he was going to, you know, be a bell cow back and Devonta Freeman was worthless and you shouldn't be investing in him. And my whole thing was like, I didn't actually have a problem with Tevin Coleman. I just hated the hate on Devonta Freeman and not because I actually liked Devonta Freeman as a player so much. Like I think he's a good player, but you know, I didn't think that he was like a stud. I just thought that he was being grossly underappreciated because people were just could not admit that they were wrong about Tevin Coleman in 2015. And they're just kind of doubling down. And, and people were looking at it like a doomsday, like neither you know, only one can survive and it'll be Tevin Coleman because he was, you know, draft and he had this great, you know, draft pedigree and great college production with all the crap. And the thing is that like, people were grossly overlooking his incompetencies. And what's really funny is that what is actually really fun about this whole conversation is what my whole um basis for not really liking Tevin Coleman as a feature back is exactly what he's doing pass catching. Like that's the whole thing was he was really good. You know, first and second down, in between the tackles, getting those tough yards, the twenty to twenties. And that's not what he's making his fantasy points off of, not what he did in the first you know, seven games of before you got injured, is he was doing it through pass catching, which is something he's not known for. Uh, he didn't have a track record of it. Everybody thought that if anybody was gonna have that role, it'd be Devonta Freeman. So it's been like not only like an F you to me, but to like really everybody in terms of the breakdown of running back in Atlanta. So it's been very comedic. Because, you know, some people at first were like, oh, what about this touchdown? And Devonta Freeman would score. And they were actually, like I think, like running back 7-8 and eight or 7-9 and nine, uh, for a couple weeks in a row. And so it's one of those things like, I don't think anybody predicted this. Everybody said that he yeah. was going to do something. But nobody predicted both of them were going to be top 10 running backs and in the roles in which they were playing. So, I mean, yeah, that was one of my claims, that my claim to fame over the offseason was that, I was just you know, I was not on the, Devin, the Tevin Coleman hype train. And uh, my other one was Jaijae, and I preached that since I think February uh, was how much I thought Jaijae was going to be a fantastic fantasy asset. Hey, hit that one out of the park! It only took, you know, like nine months. <laughs> that's, all <laughs> that's, it, true. that's all it took. Uh, Devonta Parker, I'm still waiting on. Um, I, I think that's going to be the the league winning type of wide receiver this year. I think that he is really starting to come together and starting to finally be healthy, which is all he's needed this whole time. Is just to be healthy because the separation difference and his ability to catch contested catches is completely contingent on his injury. Um, so that's I'm happy to see that he seems to be finally healthy after, you know, 11 weeks of kind of random production. So I really think that he could be a a big season winner for people. So if you are in one of those types of leagues that don't have him, I would go pick him up just as a side note. But yeah, he's one of those other players I was just huge on in the offseason. I still am. And, uh, yeah. Well, I I like
2: both the, the, the latter players you were talking about with the Jahi, you know, I was watching him this summer. And as he came out, I kept, you know, I was in favor of him. I never really came out and was on the radio cheering his name or anything. But he he always passed my eye test. Mm. So I really, I kicked myself because I should have been on him earlier when I heard other people disparaging him. I kept thinking, you know, I was almost doubting myself. Like, well, boy, maybe I didn't see that right. Or boy, maybe, you know, and I've since learned to, uh, I guess, trust myself. And uh it got some more fantasy confidence, uh, what, which is what's funny hard about the
1: is he's not even doing the one thing that he's known for. One of the reasons why he was so goddamn good in college was his pass catching and his ability to make people miss in the open field. He's basically playing the first, like a, a bell cow back with no pass catching, and he's still producing a ama- like really good numbers and from an efficiency standpoint, from a productive st- production standpoint, i mean, it's mind boggling that he's not catching passes. I think the most he's had is like three. I'm just I'm befuddled honestly because they're not using him that way, and not just because of what his skill set is. What Adam GaSe does like, that was the whole focus of my articles that I wrote about J.H.I. was Adam GaSe likes a pass catching back who can also run between the tackles, and that's what j a i just happens to be. But he's not using him to that. I don't know if it's a Tannehill thing or they're just not making plays that get him open. I have no idea. But once that he that hits, he to me could be like everybody always questions in Dynasty the 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 running backs from. Five to five to eight or five to nine, because they change so much every year. Looking at you, Eddie Lacy. Um, but uh, and Doug Martin. Um, but I really think he could be one of those one of those players in contention for that spot. Many people already have him in that general range. So if he started pass catching, I just think that he could be like that RB five in Dynasty that we always kind of you know would love to have.
2: Well, you're you're t- you're setting it up well because these are a couple of the players that uh, I am going to be talking about just a bit later and even some of the games that we're going to be talking about. But before we get there, uh, I got trivia question number one, and then we'll pause, pay the bills, and then come on back. So to start us off for the trivia, we got Russell Wilson, who seems to be sort of repeating what he was doing last year, really having this late season uh, surge. I saw an interesting stat, though, recently. Russell Wilson. How many occurrences are there of Russell Wilson having back-to-back 300-yard performances that is passing, of course? I want you folks at home to think about that as Chris thinks about it, and we will be right back. Welcome back. Pyromaniacs, just want to remind you to stop on by Pyromaniac.com. Got all sorts of great content we are wrapping up over there. Weekly matchups, we got the daily do's and don'ts, we've got the uh, charts that you know and love, the power rankings, uh, the targets, touches, and looks, and so much more over at Pyromaniac.com. All right, sir. Uh, I asked you before, Russell Wilson, he's been uh, having that late surge yet again, looking really good, looking healthy uh, which he didn't earlier in the season. And I was wondering how many times, how many back-to-back 300-yard performances has this man had? What do you think, sir? All right. Are we including playoffs? Well, I, I, boy, that's a good question that I should have figured out I'm, before. I'm, I'm distracting. I'm distracting. The answer is none. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Okay. No. All right. Very good. I was going to say, yeah, we're probably talking regular season here. But indeed, if you – Looked it up through his career. Surprisingly, he had none. Now, were you uh, watching the game when I got that little bit of nugget, or are you just no, that good I, I, I with remember, Russell Wilson knowledge?
1: I, I had a debate about Russell Wilson once with somebody, and they said that that they said that you know he's only had X amount of 300 yard games, and I thought I was so smart, like no, he has, not he's had more than that. And I remember looking up and going, ah, oh, damn it, I was yeah. Like, not even, and, and so then I remember how few it was, and the thing that they would go back to back. I think he only had like. He had none in his first year. He had maybe one in his second year. I think he maybe had two last year, or something like that. It's just such a low number in general, Because, but you think of it from fantasy points' perspective. Like, oh, he had 27. He must have broken 300. No, he really doesn't break 300 very often, let alone three times in a row.
2: And it's, I think, a lot of things there. The, the game script that they call, it's um, his legs, of course. Yeah. And I remember I did a trivia question earlier this summer. Something to do with, there was, I want to say about... 10 to 12 wide receivers that had a above 70% catch rate and were targeted at least 10 yards down the field. And three of them happened to be on Seattle, which, man, when you play with a guy like Russell Wilson who can beat you with his legs, and then you've got three players with great hands who can catch the deep ball, Mm -hmm. that's a recipe for success. Yep. Moving on over to the Vegas games. Now, just reminding folks. (laughs) <laughs> let me take a moment just to enjoy the bask in the glow. Minnesota. Just lost. To the Detroit Lions, we are now in first place in the division, and I am talking post-Thanksgiving. Detroit Lions, the roar is restored. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm enjoying it while I can get it. Enjoying it while I can get it. it so, of course, fortnight. we had the... It <laughs> usually is, yeah. you know. Uh, what's that old joke? The Lions joke. Guy walks into a bar and the Lions game's on, and they kick a field goal and the dog does a backflip, and the guy who walked in said, "Whoa, that's amazing! What does he do when they score a touchdown?" And the bar owner says, "Well, I've had the dog for five years and the TV for twenty, and I still don't even know." <laughs> so we saw the uh, Minnesota Viking or uh, the Vikings at Detroit, and then we had Pittsburgh at Indy, and then Washington at Dallas. So we got to remove those games. From the slate. No buys this week. Next week, I believe there's just two, the Browns and Tennessee, and that is that is it. So, looking at Vegas, which is something I like to do. I wrote a Vegas piece not too long ago. I think you can find tremendous insight as to how the game scripts will go, uh, where the scoring is going to be had, and, of course, fantasy football players, we chase opportunity. We want opportunity to score. So, a couple of games that stuck out to me. And then, Chris, I'll kick it to you and see if you've got one and we can get a little back and forth going just quickly because I always overdo this part. I really like uh, the Arizona-Atlanta game. Uh, Now, I look at the opening numbers, primarily because anything afterward is driven by betting tendencies. Now, not always the case. Certainly with uh, the Chicago game, um, that changed quite a bit because of the quarterback. But usually, so I'll usually look at opening numbers. Opened at 51 over-under. Now, on the weekend slate, that's the highest over-under, so Vegas is expecting a lot of points. Atlanta has 27.5 implied team total. That's a lot. Anything over 24 is generally statistically significant for fantasy. So 27.5 is really good. Chargers normally a power and numbers type of team. Lots of points here could be had. Now, we've also got the... L.A., New Orleans, of course, a lot of people are on this one as well. New Orleans expected to score over 26 points. And because of that seven-point opening spread, a lot of folks would think, well, this is going to be a ground game. But, of course, the Rams, just one of five defenses that on a per-game basis are allowing opposing running backs less than 20 fantasy points a game. Uh, Only two, two running backs have gained at least 90 rushing yards on this team. So... I really like a couple of uh, wide receivers there, and certainly Breeze at home is nothing to shy away from. We've also got Carolina-Oakland, 48 over-under, so that's up there. Oakland has an implied team total of 26. They're at home. They're favored to win. And then one more, and I'll see what you got your eye on. Uh, I've got a a slew written down here. Kansas City at Denver. This opened as the lowest one of the week at 40.5. Since then, it's moved. It's trending downward. KC only expected to score just over 18 points. Denver 21.75, so that Denver D could be a nice play. What are you looking at this week as far as Vegas telling you for uh, fantasy?
1: I am looking at the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, sorry, the Browns and the Giants. I this is a seven-point spread, obviously for Cleveland. Uh, and the game's at. Cleveland, which maybe they're trying to get the, maybe they're giving the three points there. It's 45 over, overall. I just think there's no way the Browns can cover this. I mean, the Giants have up the 11th fewest points per game. Their secondary is playing amazing. You have Landon Collins, who has, I think, six interceptions now, five of which have been in the past five games. I mean, this is a QB rotation in Cleveland. Kessler is already out. McCowan's playing, which will be good for yardage and. You know, it'll be good for Barnage as well if you want to start rhyming things. But I'm just not really a big fan that Cleveland's actually going to put it all together the first week that McCowan's there. He always ends up getting injured. And I do like McCowan, but I mean, the Giants offense has been playing much better the last couple of weeks. They're finally producing points. And I just don't see them giving up just... To set, like, I see them beating out Cleveland by more than seven points here. And I see them just kind of blowing them out, just having like a, you know, a good game, you know, a good like morale game. They're seven and three. They're vying for a wild card spot. They want to show the league what they can do. And I think that Cleveland's a perfect opportunity to do that. So I would definitely be looking at both of those, both the spread and the point total for the week.
2: Yeah, I looked at that one as well. Got a couple guys I'm going to talk about later uh, simply because of that. And that's indeed what we're doing, telling you some games to be on. A hard part of this week, there's a lot to be on, I feel. Of course, we've got Tennessee at Chicago. Now, this thing opened up 45.5, but just toss that thing out the window because now we've got Barkley who's going to be starting for Chicago, which makes Tennessee one of the chalkiest defensive plays, but rightly so. Uh, I'm going to get into them later. <laughs> Ten- or, uh, the Bears, they're just suffering losses. They- Jeffrey Cutler, they lost Kyle Long. So it's not going to be good for Bear fans, if you ask me. Good for Tennessee owners. Uh, I'm also keeping my eye on the Bengals. Baltimore, low-scoring affair, open at 41.5. That puts the underdog, the Bengals, Just south of 20 expected points. Keep that in mind, you hill lovers out there. Got a tough road to hoe against Baltimore. Two more, and then I'll I'll take your thoughts with San Francisco, Miami. Of course, a lot of folks on this one. I like a lot of players on Miami. Miami opened uh, seven and a half point favorites, 27 implied points for Miami. They're home. San Fran, as we know, allowing 5.2 yards per carry, worst in the league. Miami as a whole, as an offense, and an offensive line, for all their rushing, they're allowing an average of 4.8 yards. Uh, that's second highest in the league. San Francisco, allowing the most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Certainly got to like that one for Miami players. And then, of course, New England and the Jets. Now, New England, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. That's what they opened up. Vegas seems to love them. They've got them expected to score just over 28 points. As we know, the Jets are a funnel D. Now, that means really good against the run. So I'm not necessarily back and blunt this week. But they almost invite teams to pass against them because they're more susceptible there. Lord knows we've seen them give up some touchdowns. But they're tough against the run, like I say. So not going to be a blunt, but going to be more of a Brady passing
1: game. Any other Vegas uh, picks you're looking at? I'm looking at San Diego at Houston. This one just screams to me. 45.5 it opened at. Houston's giving one and a half. I mean, San Diego's eighth in the league in yards, second in points at 29.2. And Houston is 29th in yards and 28th in scoring 18.1. So, I mean, even if you just take the averages in which they're doing, it's still over 45.5. And I think that San Diego's gonna kind of blow them out. Like, I think it's very possible. San Diego coming off the bye now. I will say this. I went to the numbers for this one. Phillip Rivers, surprisingly not very good after the bye. He kind of puts up pedestrian numbers somewhere in the really? usual yeah, like 175 to 206 yards, I think, with his uh with his average around there. And he had one big game in the past five years other than that, he's not very good fantasy-wise. Uh, they usually do pretty okay winning, but they usually don't do well in fantasy. But I think this is, gonna, this is a different one. Houston, I mean, they're, they have a good secondary. They play pretty well. But I just think that they're going to be able to run enough over them. Melvin Goring just performing over over most people's expectations. I just I just see this as not going to be that close. I think it's going to be at least a six-point game in favor of San Diego. I think they're going to put them up as early as they can and just make Houston play to try to play catch-up, which they cannot do very well at all. So I mean Alright, so otherwise you have Travis Benjamin and Travis Benjamin is finally healthy. Tyrell Williams, he's had eighteen point five and twenty-three point five points before the bye. I mean, I I just think that it's just Houston's overrated. I mean, plain and simple. their def- their defense is overrated compared to what they actually do. Good, not great. Offense is terrible. I don't care what anyone says. Brock Osweiler is terrible. I don't know if there is a truther out there, but I I don't know if there are any left. But if there are he has had news. And Lamar Miller's just not doing He's getting the touches. He's not putting together, minus last week. He's been very pedestrian. And I just, what are they going to, what, are they magically going to change everything they do in a matter of a week for San Diego of all teams? I just don't see it.
2: Well, I, a couple things you brought to mind there. One, I, I am kind of hoping you're right that it is garbage time, that Houston is forced to come back. I got to preview some of our later segments of what you talking about Willis play for a Houston wide receiver that's been priced on DraftKings. Honestly, though, my first bullet point, my my first note is, yes, I know Brock is throwing him the ball. And that's a big bullet point. I mean, you know, before he left Denver, everybody said, well, we don't really know what we've got. And boy, we sure do know now. And it's not good what he has put up this year. And I got to say, let me get your reaction on Lamar Miller. I was on the bandwagon. I thought they were going to use him up and down in that bill o'brien offense they they were running plays there was some of the most fastest paced offense the last two years i thought they were going to really load him up that i always said that was a problem on miami but maybe miami knew what they were doing maybe they knew he couldn't handle a bigger load i'm not sure what's wrong
1: with lamar i thought we were going to see more i think the problem was, i think with houston the problem is the systemic now it starts with brock Osweiler. The way he plays is, like, everything he has around him is literally the worst-case scenario. And I mean this not from a player perspective. I mean, for what he wants and what he needs to succeed is not what they have. He can't throw yeah. a good deep ball that's that's far ahead of defenders. So Will Fuller is not very useful. Yep. If you watch the routes he's taking, he's doing his little dig routes. Sometimes he does a slant every now and again. He does a cur- that's not what he's there for. Why are you using him like this? He's like yeah. Jarvis Landry on that team. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins, who is you know, well, some of the best hands in the league. And they have him running these ridiculous routes where you just go, he can't win that. That's not what he did. He does not excel in what Brock Osweiler is throwing to him in the routes that he's forced to run. So, and then you have Lamar Miller, who's really good in space. Now, last year he did well in Miami through the tackles, but in general, he's a space player. And they have him just running up the same the same direction every time, and he gets knocked down for one or two yards every time, And they're not doing much pass catching with him. And it's just, I just don't get it. Like, why are you catering to your quarterback when you have like four other pieces who could succeed with most other quarterbacks in the league? Like they're catering too much to Brock and he can't follow through because he's just not that good. And the problem with DeAndre Hopkins is, is at the end of the day, he's not a great athlete. I know no one wants to hear that, but he's not a great athlete. He can't overcome this kind of bad quarterback play. He can overcome certain types, you know, big arm quarterbacks, throw it up in there do the hard routes, whatever else. But he's doing these very simplistic routes in which he cannot break away because he's ultimately not that good of an athlete. He relies so heavily on his hands that for Brock Osweiler, he can't beat somebody in three steps. It's just not possible. And he needs more time to actually get into into a rhythm to catch the ball. So that's my whole problem with the Houston D- offense in general is that they're catering so much to Brock Osweiler that it's hurting everybody else because he does not know how to utilize his three best weapons in the most proper way and he's forcing them to adjust to him and the problem is he sucks ultimately that's the yeah. ultimate problem
2: well i i wish you were with me on week eight because we're uh transitioning over into streaming and we're starting with the quarterback position uh now chris i like to sort of do this fishbowl thing and i've been charting my picks and i've been adding them up i use ff today mm-hmm. for uh pick and flick and for streaming so basically you know Guys, you can get off the waiver wire that are 50% available on NFL Fantasy. Uh, I looked this week for quarterbacks. Uh, you got to take 20 off the board because they've got 20 that are listed uh, as 50% ownership or more. So anyway, uh, almost my worst scoring week was week 8, Brock Osweiler. I believe it was (laughs) against the Lions. It just wasn't that great of a week. (sighs) I thought my Lions were actually at the time performing poor enough, I believe that's who it was against, performing poor enough that even Osweiler could get it done, yet he got me 9.1. However, I've been doing pretty well, Uh, just scanning. I think I've got almost all double-digit quarterbacks, several in the 20s, and I am right now 194.3. I do this, not that it matters for quarterback, but on uh, PPR scoring. Right now, if you followed my picks, I would have the seventh-best quarterback, right in between Luck and Cousins. Um, So, turning it over to the quarterback spot. I'm going to start with you. Uh, which quarterback do you think is on the waiver wires that folks can go out,
1: and would you plug into your lineup this week? I decided to go super easy on this one. I went with Colin Kaepernick, 7% owned, 19.5 yeah. fantasy points per game, which puts him actually at 7th in the league. Miami's an average defense, not good, not great, who should run handily. In, I mean, Miami's going to win handily, no question, but Kaepernick has become kind of a fantasy points putter-upper, as I I to call him. So I like him here. I mean, he's going to get you the rushing yards, probably 40, 50 yards. That's five points right there. And then he's going to—he's been throwing for a lot of yards. And the touchdowns aren't great, but the yardage is there. So for me, Colin Kaepernick, easy, 7% owned. He's one of the best plug and plays you can do this week.
2: You know, I've—I've I've ridden him week nine, week eleven, 22.2 points for me, 19.4. He's—he's he's been fantastic. I believe since he came back, week sixth. He is looking at uh, pro football focus week six to now 10th best fantasy quarterback on their scoring system. I like him as well. I've got him written down the legs. I mean, how can you not like him when he's going to give you possibly an extra six points, just rush, just rushing. He's had 50 uh, multiple times. He's playing Miami that have let other running Quarterbacks, Mariota and Tyrod Taylor run in for a touchdown, so I like that play a lot. My official pick this week is going to be Tannehill, 88% available, uh, facing San Francisco. San Fran, when you adjust for schedule, ranks 30th against quarterbacks, 32nd against wide receivers in both standard and PPR. It's only one team that has allowed more passing touchdowns than San Francisco, and that's who Tannehill faces this week. So I like the game. I like both quarterbacks in that game, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make Tannehill my official pick. I'm gonna toss one other one out there just in case I don't like him as much as Cappy or Tannehill. But Carson Wentz, I know he hasn't been great, lately. He's 78% available. Expected the team is expected to score 25 implied points. They're home against Green Bay, and this is really more about how bad Green Bay is against uh, wide receivers and opposing quarterbacks. When you adjust for schedule versus the quarterback, they come in at number 22. Green Bay is 31st against wide receivers in both PPR and standard when you adjust for schedule. And in PPR leagues, they've allowed at least 24 fantasy points, two quarterbacks, and three of their last four. So, kind of a desperation play if he's out there. I like to toss out a few names, but I love the cappy pick, and uh, Tannehill's my official guy to go to. Now... Are you ready for uh, the tight end spot, sir?
1: I'm always ready.
2: All right. I like my ends tight as well. Looking in the rearview mirror. Now, goodness gracious, I got to bitch a little bit here. Uh, (laughs) First off, let me say that I do this one by um, points per game because week five, I literally said, I quoted this, needs to be cleared on Saturday. Virgil Green was not. And then I failed to tweet out my other my sub so I got to do it on a points per game basis of course I was doing really well I'm still doing okay last week I need to get some help on this I started or I picked Ladarius Green the man killed me he killed me my only solace is that Martellus Bennett um did did really more damage on DraftKings because he was a higher price and didn't do very much but he didn't get you a bagel I mean, I believe what happened was he, he was a little bit rusty, Ladarius Green. His second target he dropped in the in the end zone. Would have been an easy touchdown, and I think Big Ben kind of remembered that and just didn't go back to him. So it, it hurt me, but I'm still doing well. I'm still ninth best tight end. Um, that would be right in between Zach Miller and Eifert. So week 12, tight ends. Who are you looking at that you can grab off the waivers?
1: C.J. Fedorowicz, 9.3% yeah. owned. And this is probably, one again, one of those easy ones. He's a tight end 16, and he didn't even do anything his first three weeks. I mean, he's been an important safety valve for Brock, and that's really the one person who's producing that offense. And it's just because he happens to be there. Where Brock looks, he's there. So he throws it to him. And it's just he just keeps getting you points. It's stable. It's consistent. It's not touchdown dependent. He's getting good PPR points on a week-to-week basis.
2: I like that as well. I've actually got him for uh, one of my tight end picks we're going to look at later. That's the thing, too. A lot of these pick and flicks, or I guess streaming, guys that we talk about in this segment can certainly be used in the DFS segment. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who will say, oh, I love the show, but I love the DFS, or I love the show, and I love the streaming. Honestly, it's not that much different. If I like a guy in DFS, I'm still going to like him in streaming if he's available. Uh, it's People think DFS is so, I don't know, like it's this great, they got to answer three riddles and and get let into this this golden city. It is not. You're still trying to score the most points. That's it. Uh, so I really like him. I've got him listed Fedorowitz in my uh, DFS pick. I, I got three guys jotted down here. I'm officially going with Will Ty though. Will Ty, the touchdown guy, 97% available. I mean, he's going up against the Browns. The now they're the Browns for God's sakes. Giants open as seven point favorites. Uh, they've got a high expected point total. Expected to score nearly 20, or exactly 26 points, I believe. Four for four is adjusted schedule. The Browns rate 28th against quarterback, and they are dead last to tight ends in both PPR and standard. I think you can pencil in Will Ty. Why do you call him a touchdown guy, by the way?
1: He only has one of the year. Because Bill Nye, the, the science guy. Oh, okay, we're just rhyming. Okay. <laughs> yeah. i It's it like i've watched a lot of giants games i don't remember him
2: seeing scored last week but and maybe just, it's, it's a bit wish boxing. it's a bit wishful thinking perhaps i think you can call now I, <laughs> I almost said bill nye i got myself all tongue-tied uh i think you can count we'll tie in for a touchdown this week against the browns i really do i like him a lot i also like vance mcdonald 96% available uh, he's been a top 10 performer in 50% of the games that he's played. Kaepernick has certainly had his eye on him since week six. Now, looking at Pyro's positional points against Miami's defense, out of total offensive yards racked up by an opponent, Miami allows for nearly 21% to come from the tight end spot. That's a very inordinately high number. Uh, so I like Vance McDonald. I know Kaepernick likes Vance McDonald. And if those guys are not available, I like the Fedorowicz, I like Will Tye, I like McDonald. All of those above this guy, but I'm just going to toss them out there in case you're in a huge league. Clive Walford, he's been a bit of a disappointment. Uh, again, this is a super deep play. Faces Carolina, according to Pyromaniacs. Positional points against, Carolina is giving up the second most fantasy points to tight end number ones. Keep in mind, Walford, he's going to be running those over the middle, short intermediate routes. That involves linebackers. Carolina going to be without Luke Keekly. This is Pro Football Focus's number one linebacker. That's going to affect the game. Again, that's a deeper play for sure. Now, the last of the streamable, quote, streamable position. Again, all we're really talking about is a defense, in this case, that's available in at least 50% of NFL fantasy leagues that you can plug into your waiver wire, or that you can plug into your lineup off the waiver wire this week. I... Well, before I tell you my pick this week, it's a chalk pick. Uh, but in the rearview mirror, if you were to stack up all of my defensive picks, weeks um, I'm at uh, 52 points, which is not too high. I think this is probably uh, my worst streamable position. So if you look at um, FF today, 52 points on the season for defense. As I'm doing this on the fly, that brings you to defense number, ooh, boy, 19, right around there, 19 20. So not doing as well uh, defensively. So, on that note, maybe you can help the folks with a better pick, although uh, I don't think it's going to be surprising who I'm picking. Who, who do you got this week at defense?
1: I have the Buffalo Bills. Somehow they're under 50% owned, and they're facing Jacksonville at yeah. home. This week, who we'll give up the fourth most fantasy points of defenses, and I'm a huge believer in warm teams playing poorly in cold situations. I don't know where you are from, if you actually are from the Detroit area, but I'm from New England. It's cold up here. It's only going to get colder by Sunday. So, Jacksonville, I love you as a team, but you're not going to do very well. And if you're already throwing interceptions in warm weather, you're going to throw more in cold weather. There you go. I like that as well. Uh,
2: DFS, uh, good play this week. Uh, I've got two for you. I've got one official. The Giants, I think, 58% available. Again, going up up against the Browns. McCown's going to start. Going from Kessler, who on aimed throws, just aimed throws, so not throwaways or not spikes, aimed throws, Kessler was completing 73.7% of his passes. McCown, 59.1%. PFF has 34 quarterbacks that are charted for aimed throws. 32 of them are above 60%. Accuracy. So we're talking one of the two guys that is not above 60% in Mr. McCown. McCown, six interceptions on just 122 attempts. You know me, I love attempts, or I'm sorry, I love sacks and interceptions. Last year in uh, defensive fantasy play, over 50% of your points came from sacks and interceptions. So he's got six interceptions on 122 attempts. To put that in perspective, Dalton has six interceptions. On 360 attempts, basically over double that of our Little Browns starter. But I'm going to go with the chalk, play the Titans are 87% available. Face the Bears, no cuddy. That's basically what you got to say. Since the news, the Bears' expected point total has dropped significantly, down to 19 last time I checked. Barkley played week seven, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 81 passing yards. If you average his rushing, it's down to 80 yards. The Bears, as I said, lost Kyle Long. I think that's a major impact on the offensive line. Titans, man, 30 sacks. Only two teams have more. And when I say more, they have one more. So they are right at the tops as far as getting sacks. Uh, Tennessee allowing opponents quarterback completion percentage of just 53.5. Only three teams are allowing a lower completion percentage. And Barkley, if you ask. Way back in week seven, what was his completion percentage? An abysmal 40%. So, gotta like the Titans. This week, they're my official streaming defense. Before we start the pick and flick, which basically does the same thing. Looks at running backs and wide receivers available on your waiver wire that you can pick up and flick right into your lineup. Let's pause for a trivia question. Number two, are you ready, sir? I'm always ready. All right, baby. In the last three weeks, there are two quarterbacks that have a league high nine passing touchdowns in that time. Now, I gotta say, this is, I wrote down my stats before Thanksgiving. So this is before any week 12 performances. So we're talking weeks, what nine, 10, and 11. So in those three weeks, there are two quarterbacks that have a league high nine passing TDs in that time. Can you name one of two? And I'm going to give you and the folks at home time to think about that while you listen to this, and we will be right back. All right, Pyromaniacs, thanks for staying with us. Uh, You know, we uh, already know that you are listening and you love playing fantasy. So we know you're going to love playing fantasy on Draft. Draft is a simple daily fantasy app where you can do snake drafts, just like the ones you do at the beginning of your season-long leagues. You can do drafts whenever you want. They last for just one day, and they only take minutes to complete. On draft, you can play for free, or better yet, you can toss in some coin. And get this, your chances of winning on draft are over 200% better than your chances of winning at the big DFS sites. Now, I've been doing Draft. Uh, for a couple weeks now, I did one this week. I got DeMarco Murray. You're going to see later. He is one of my big DFS picks. I got him in the first round. Uh, join me, and I often tweet out uh, when I'm in a draft, so check it out on Twitter. Join me. When you download Draft, be sure to enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. To download, just search Draft in the App Store, and it's going to come up first thing, PlayDraft.com. You can also go there. Uh, remember to enter the promo code Pyro, P-Y-R-O, and you're going to get a 100% deposit bonus. Make sure you download Draft Now, and I will see you there. All right, guys. I said before the commercial break that in the last three weeks, that is weeks 11, 10, and 9, there are two quarterbacks that have a league-high passing TDs of nine. Nine in two weeks. I am wondering, sir, can you name just one of those two? What say you? Marcus Mariota ding 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 marcus Marion has nine you're officially moving on to round three but any guesses as to who that other one might be
1: i kind of want to go with russell wilson because i you know he doug baldwin had three last game or the game before or something like that so i kind of want to go with him because he's been turning it on so i'll go russell wilson well the
2: the other nine td tosser in the last three weeks As you said, Marietta. And then Eli actually has nine in the last three weeks. We've got three guys that come in at eight Breeze, Dak, and Rodgers. Lots of TDs to be tossing. Big Ben proved that last night. Goodness gracious. As I said, this was uh, weeks nine through 11. But boy. And and Russell, you know, I didn't check where he was, but he's starting to turn it around. So lots of touchdowns being thrown these days. And I want to grab that fantasy goo. So let's look at. The, uh, pick and flick segment, so here we're talking on fantasy.nfl.com, guys that are available in 50% of leagues. Now, I believe I looked this up, yes, uh, as of today, you 50% available, there are 46 running backs that are 50% under higher, so you gotta toss out those 46. I've got, well, I got a few guys written down, but, uh. Who are you feeling this week, Mr. Whitman?
1: All right, so I have two. First one up is the uh, not going to be popular one I'm going to go with anyways. Bilal Powell, 41% owned. He's currently RB33 while playing backup to Matt Forte. And he's also had a few games where he's not really touched the ball at all. When he's involved, he's a beast. And against New England, this gives opportunity. Belichick likes to shut down that one player per team. And I don't think it's Brandon Marshall. I think it's Matt Forte. Bill Belichick has said glowing things about Matt Forte for years and years now. He sees him as the biggest threat on any team that he's on. So I think that Bilal Powell is going to get a lot of pass-catching opportunities. I like the Bilal Powell. I've, I've liked him all year. I think he's being
2: misused there, honestly. On the stats, he's getting it done. They should be giving him the ball more, but I, I do like that call. One note, I did have down Gillisley, but since I've written it down, he and I had written down, now, hey, be careful, because... Uh, Gillisley is questionable. McCoy is questionable. Uh, since I've written him down, Gillisley is indeed going to be out. Looking like McCoy is going to be fine uh, with his thumb. Just an FYI. Another name I'm just going to throw out there because Deion Lewis is available in 70% of leagues. I'm not necessarily playing him this week. We've seen the talent. But, you know, word of caution, they got a crowded backfield. And they've got a really tough rest-of-season schedule. In fact, using pyrometrics, uh, only two teams have a tougher running back road ahead uh, so just FYI, I know he's got a really good Week 15 schedule. He can get it done, but it's just I wish he had a bit of a better schedule because I really like Dan Lewis. However, this week I've got two official guys, and maybe mm, I, I can't decide, and that's what I'm going with too. So Hightower is probably the my heart is telling me the most, 65% available. Uh, this is perhaps, I think, the best option because a lot of the running backs we're talking about really are tied or dependent on another guy. So even if Ingram is going, we've seen Hightower get use and get it done while Ingram's on the field. Now, Ingram says he feels absolutely fine. Now, Chris, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't notice today, but as of yesterday, Ingram Ingram was still in the concussion protocol. So he says he's going to play. He hasn't been officially cleared as far as I know. Now last 4 weeks high tower 84 looks ingram 44 now ingram has been banged up I'll give him that but high tower's had more looks as of late he can get it done uh, again even if ingram plays I like the high tower pick but you got that I would be watching your news feeds to see if he does if ingram gets cleared or not I like high tower either way now I've got one more did you say you have one more yep
1: lay it on me brother this is, this is all contingent on what happens with the injury report, but yeah. Wendell Smallwood, 6.9% owned. He's had a few spot starts here and there, and he's produced relatively okay with them. He had 17 and 13 touches the past two weeks. He's not a great running back, and honestly, he looks like he's going to fumble every time he touches the ball, but if he's got opportunity, I can't say no to it. He does put up decent efficiency with, with his touches, so just be weary that he simply could fumble this job away at any, at any moment.
2: Uh, you know what? Great minds think alike. The
1: beauty of this gig here
2: is, Chris, I also like Smallwood. Now, Smallwood goes off next week. I'm going to be touting. I'm the magic man, and I called Smallwood. Fast forward to next week. If Smallwood doesn't have a good game, I'm going to be cursing your name and blaming it all on you. No problem. All right. Just so we're clear. Yep. Um, but, yes, I, I like the Smallwood call, as you said, contingent. And what's going on there? Um, Sproles, Matthews, both questionable. It's looking like Sproles might be able to go. He got into full practice uh, Thursday. I guess they aren't celebrating there. Matthews, he's day-to-day, and he received a did-not-practice DNP on Thursday. So that's the one I'm really concerned with is that the Ryan Matthews, even if if Sproles goes, I like the small wood play. Now the Eagles are home to Green Bay. I've said this before. The defense looks good on paper. On paper. They're a much softer defense, though, than people give them credit for, or than it shows in the box score. Now, through the air, we know they're bad. So a lot of teams refer to them as a a funnel D. They're good against the the run. Teams are going to want to pass on them, and indeed teams do. Their secondary is terrible and banged up. However, on the season, they've allowed eight running back scores. In the last five weeks, seven of those eight have occurred. In that span, four running backs have put up double-digit, PPR points, two for over 20, and one for over 30. In fact, in PPR formats, just looking at a points-per-game basis, only four teams have surrendered more fantasy goo, that's fantasy points, to opposing running backs in the past five weeks. So Smallwood has a better uh, matchup against Green Bay than I think most people think, but as you say, it really depends on the health of the other backs there uh, over at Philly. All right, we've got the last of the pick in This would be a wide receiver that you can pull off the waivers and toss into your lineups. Again, we're using NFL Fantasy. Currently, they've got 50 wide receivers that are 50% owned or higher. Looking in the rearview mirror, which I forgot if I did this for the running back. Running back, I'm hot. The only thing I'm doing bad is defense. But running back, I would be RB5, man, in between Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell. I'm going to talk about that one because I think that's pretty darn good. Wide receivers right now through 11 weeks, 170.2. That would be wide receiver number eight. So I'm top ten in everything except the defense. Goodness gracious. I got a few
1: names jotted down here, sir. Uh, who are you thinking for wide receiver week 12? 50 wide receivers are owned at 50% or more. And this one I don't understand. It is Rashard Matthews. 45.1% owned. He's averaging 20.2 points per game the past three weeks, 12.6 the four weeks prior. Chicago has the worst pass path, uh, path defense in the league in terms of fancy points to wide receivers. I don't get it. Yeah, okay, he's kind of like a tight end and he's, he's on dependent, but he excels over that. So I don't understand the hate on Rashard Matthews. There's a lot of hype on him before the season by Dynasty analysts, myself included, and he's really followed through. I think he's a wide receiver like 23. So he's a wide receiver 23, there are 50 that are owned, 50% or more. Somebody's messing up here because Rashard Matthews should be in your lineup and should be on your team, no question.
2: Hey, I like it, and I'm thinking the same way because Kendall Wright, 97% available, faces that Chicago D. Uh, last five weeks, no other defense given up more fantasy points in PPR formats to the wide receiver position. Six wide receiver touchdowns in that span. In fact, in the last six games, five different wide receivers have put up 20 fantasy points or more. Here's what's making me lean towards Kendall Wright, though. Slot player. He's going to be facing (coughs) Crevon LeBlanc, who has been a liability. He is ranked as 89th. 89th best cornerback by PFF. They've got 119 guys ranked, and he's number 89. Numerous slot wide receivers have scored against LeBlanc. Fuller, Diggs, Hilton, Cobb, Sterling Shepard, uh, even Aurelius Ben and Freddie Martino, although I don't know if they were running out of the slot at the time, uh, giving up a lot of touchdowns, and I like the Tennessee wide receivers. I'm leaning right just because of uh, the slot corner that is LeBlanc. He is one of my official go tos. I also like. And I want to get your thoughts on these two here in a moment and see if you got anyone else. But I also like Marquise Lee, 98% available. Julius Thomas, he's been ruled out, so the passing pie just grew for the rest of the the remaining Jaguar wide receivers. Since the bye, they played six games. Lee has over 50 yards in five of the six. I mean, we're we're not talking wide receiver one here. We're we're throwing out 50 wide receivers, so. If he's going to give me 50 yards, I mean, that's pretty good. In that time, uh six games, he's only fallen below six targets just once. Looking at Hearns, in that same span, Uh only three 50-yard performances to Lee's five, and Hearns has been targeted six times or fewer two games, so... Hearns is not getting the looks that Lee's been getting, nor has been doing the performance. Let's look at the team they're playing in the last five weeks. Buffalo is giving up the fourth most fantasy points to the quarterback spot, and in that same time, they're giving up uh, six wide receiver touchdowns. So I really like Lee. Last guy I'm going to toss out. I'm hesitant to do this just because. Don't he's...
1: steal mine. Don't steal mine. Well, all right, let me are. let me let me
2: kick it over to you. Who do you who so, else do you have? Brandon LaFell. <laughs> No, I I wasn't going LaFell, but I do like LaFell. All right. Why do you like LaFell, and and why is it not uh, the rookie there? Because this has been a hotly debated topic. Oh, I know. What makes you feel LaFell?
1: This crap was debated among Dynasty analysts all since April, since the draft happened, and the constant, Tyler Boyd's going to be the number two wide receiver in Cincinnati. Clear cut. All they have is Brandon LaFell, and he sucks. That's the narrative. Brandon LaFell sucks. Brandon LaFell sucks. Yeah, I get it. We don't like Brandon LaFell. He's got terrible hands, but there are lots of wide receivers who have terrible hands. So I kind of need more than that to not really to be, to buy into the constant hate that's been going on in him. He's still averaging 10 points per game this year, and now A.J. Green is out. He's the number one wide receiver. Tyler Board's an overhyped rookie with minimal experience doing what is needed for that offense. They need an outside wide receiver. That's what LaFell does. He's an outside wide receiver. He's he's. It's so obvious that he's going to be number one in that team. Now, will he see as many targets as, as Boyd? Probably not. Will he produce more per catch, and it will have much more likelihood for touchdowns? Uh, yeah, it's not even close to me. That's what he does. is an outside receiver, and he will do it for the rest of the season. Tyler Boyd's not going to suddenly change what he's done for 22 years of his life and simply become you know, an outside wide receiver and take over. Tyler Boyd overachieved due to high volume in college. I don't want to disparage man too much. I've just never been a fan, but... It's, he's not what is needed in Cincinnati. He's not what is going to be needed to win or succeed or do anything. Fran lafell's that player, unfortunately. I wish there was somebody better, but what are you going to do? Fran LaFell is the better spot start for that, for that wide receiver role.
2: It's interesting. I've heard all kinds of people talking about this. Now, this week, I'm a little hesitant on Cincy. They've got, well, they got Baltimore. Baltimore oh, yeah. is a tough one. Fantastic defense, but... Here's the thing, they are fantastic against tight ends and just unstoppable against running backs. So maybe wide receivers get a little more play since it's a little softer there. Here's my one thing. I think you know Eifert's certainly going to benefit from a green loss. I I don't know the weeks that LaFell or Boyd are going to do it. My other, I guess, hesitation is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, Boyd's playing the slot. So LaFell, he's not going to be playing or running exactly out of the same spot, I think he's going to have to make some adjustments, play calls, whereas the rook, Boyd, is not going to have to adjust at all. Now, LaFell, been on a lot of teams, you know, maybe he's got the IQ to adjust, but that makes me hesitant on LaFell. Um, Any thoughts there? Is there any credence there? Do you think, uh, you know, route running and play calling is is part of the gig and he's going to have no problem?
1: I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure that A.J. Green, of like the top, I think it was seven or eight stud wide receivers in the league, A.J. Green was one of the ones who actually moved from left to right the most. Um, In New England, Bran LaFell played mostly on the left side, so now he's going to have to move to the right side. So in that regard, maybe, but the role he was playing, the routes that he was running are not going to be that much different, essentially. Um, The way that Cincy kind of runs their offense is that the one in the – Left and the right right outside receivers pretty much run a very similar route, but they kind of flip-flop on which ones they do. Then you have the slot receiver on the inside who's just, you know, doing what they do. Um, But, so, I mean, it it will be a transition that way? Yeah, it will be. Brandon LaFelle's never been a right-side-of-the-field kind of wide receiver for outside, so that'll be a transition. Um, But then again, I mean, they've had Boyd playing the same role for most of the year. What's really going to change the volume? Okay, but, I mean, how much was, how much is it really going to go up is just kind of my curiosity. Like, it will go up and maybe become more stable, but enough that it's going to outpace LaFell, I'm very skeptical about. Very skeptical.
2: Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, uh, I like your takes there. Um, and I think that's a heck of a topic this week. What with the loss of Green? Just curiosity. My partner, D-Rex, I think he was the one, he sent out a group tweet. AJ Green down last week. Honestly, my first reaction was, oh, crap. I've got him on uh, my millionaire maker, my DFS, which actually placed in money without (laughs) even without A.J. Green. So I did okay, But he gave me some flack for saying, come on, you know, a a great wide receiver just got carted off the field. And you're concerned about your DFS. Am I in the wrong there?
1: Or was that your do you think that would have been your first reaction, too? um okay so my whole thing is that i just don't like the idea of cheering for injury that's my only that's my only thing as long right. as you're not cheering for an injury i really don't have a problem with that um i just really hate the people that are like i wish thomas rawls would get injured so cj Pro or stay injured so cj Pro says can excel like that's the kind of crap i just go man you need to really really evaluate your <laughs> kind of on life yeah let alone totally. like that's my that's my beef and there's a lot of that honestly um it goes from oh, so-and-so, the so-and-so backup is a better player, and then it goes dot, 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 I really wish the first person would get injured. It's like, what? If they're so much better, shouldn't they just be able to beat them out? Like, why do you need to wish, like, death on somebody? I don't understand that mindset.
2: Yeah, in this world, we've got too much energy stealing, like, people trying to feel better about themselves by knocking other people down, or, you know, wish rooting for someone to fail so you can feel a little bit better. And by no means was I rooting for an injury here, and I'm right, with man. you 100%. But i got to be honest, my first reaction wasn't, oh, crap, uh, the football-viewing community, the football-loving community, which I am a part of it, as you are, we're going to be uh, less than. We're, we're going to be uh, suffering because a great player is down, and we're not going to be able to see his magic, and he, his career trajectory might be affected by this, you know, whatever. I understand that. But honestly, I my first reaction was, shoot. This isn't the game I'm playing. DFS or uh, even in season long. That's going to really hurt you for the playoffs and that was my first reaction. I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Do you agree? I agree. All right. See, I feel a little bit better. I, I really contemplated. I thought it was kind of a good a good uh, moments to self-reflect uh as it were. Not rooting for them. Certainly don't want him to be out, and it doesn't look like I think he's going to be out the rest of the season. It's not as bad as they first thought, but, again, I I wasn't on the news feeds today. But, AJ, we love you, man. Get back soon. Agreed. All right, guys. Before we continue on here with uh, our DFS plays this week, we're going to pause to pay the bills, of course, and I'm going to give you trivia question number three before we go. All right. This tight end was a top 12 performer in PPR formats for the first six weeks this season. Since then, he has only landed in the top 12 once since his seven weeks inside the top 12 leads all tight ends. Who is he? I'm going to reread that question and uh, give you a bit of a commercial in just one moment. welcome back pyromaniacs we are getting to our dfs section so i want to pause and talk to you about some dfs play fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at draftkings.com america's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports dfs means no season-long commitments you play whenever you want you pick your sport you draft your team it's like a new season every time you play So you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion will be won at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be next. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code PYRO, P-Y-R-O. All new users to DraftKings receive a deposit matching bonus for up to $600, which will release at the rate of play, of course, and you get a free... $3 voucher. That's on DraftKings.com, promo code PYRO. All right, as I said, trivia question number three. This tight end was a top 12 performer in PPR formats for the first six weeks of the season. However, since then, so since week seven and on, he's only landed in the top 12 once. Still, his total of seven weeks inside the top 12 leads all tight ends. Who
1: is this player, sir? All right, so let me make sure I understand the question. So every single, on a week-to-week basis, every week from weeks one to six, he was in the top 12. Not as a collective, but as an individual weekly.
2: Yeah, so for tight ends, for PPR formats, he was inside the top 12 for the first six weeks. Since then, he's only done it once. But yet still, his seven weeks at a top 12 PPR tight end leads
1: all the rest. Who is he? I was going to go Martellus Bennett, but he had some really crap weeks, I think one in three, so that wouldn't do it. So I got to go with the contrarian with Jack Doyle. Boy, Jack Doyle, that's a good one. It's
2: not correct, but I like it because he was on fire at the beginning yeah. and he's been sparse since then. I'm using Pyromaniac's own TPW charts, top positional weeks. Uh, Greg Olson, in fact, oh, uh, in the first six weeks inside the top 12, he was... Uh, Greg Olson was a hot inside the top 12 the first six weeks, but since then, uh, he's only managed to do so once. Mm. Mr. Olson. Mr. Olson. I'm counting on you this week, brother. So, hopefully we can uh, see or, or v- review this in a bit once we get to the tight end spot, but we're going to start off our DFS calls with quarterbacks. Now, folks, DFS is a little bit of a different beast. Not too much different, but a little different. I primarily play DraftKings, but on FanDuel, we give the pricing. Um, On DraftKings, you want to score 3x value. So basically, if you've got a guy that's, you know, a minimum price, $3,000, you want him to score nine points. So basically, on DraftKings, you're awarded uh, $50,000. Generally, if you can score 150 points, you're going to be taking out some money. Now, 4X value, you could very well be taking out multiple figures of money. So 3X is kind of that bar you're looking for. I believe FanDuel is about 2.5X is kind of what you're looking for. Of course, the pricing system varies. So DraftKings is what I use. DraftKings is how I chart. 3X value is what you're shooting for. I've, uh, I don't know, totaled all my quarterbacks. And thus far, I'm at 3.39X value. So I'm doing well at the QB spot. I tell you... Uh, Chris, I've got a ton of quarterbacks that I like here this week. it's hard to decipher. Who do you like at the quarterback for DraftKings or for DFS, I should say.
1: So I actually did mine according to FanDuel. Um, oh, great, perfect. Cause I yeah. uh, excellent. So all right. So what I did for mine was I was just I try to do a balance between value and actual expectation of production. And I try to look at players that are in similar tiers. That's how I like to break down D- DFS. So for me, I want Russell Wilson. He's priced around players like Rivers and Flacco, and I think that we can all agree he's gonna outscore both of them potentially combined. Because Flacco doesn't really do much of anything, and Rivers, as I said, coming off the bye is actually not that great. So $7,500 for Russell Wilson seems like a no-brainer to me. I don't really remember what range that was in terms of the quarterbacks, but it was still like it was expecting him to be like he was a month ago. So I think it's still that you're you're still cashing in on the Low expectations of Russell Wilson based off of the first half of the year. So, for me, that's an, that's an easy one. My other one's actually Josh McCowan at 6400 He's just Ooh. hard to turn down for this kind of price. You're going to get 17-ish points, and that doesn't really follow the three-times the three times core leverage that you were talking about. But, I mean, for 17 points, I can't really be that mad about it. So, I mean, it's going to get you high-end quarterback two numbers for the price of, like, quarterback three numbers. So, I'm pretty okay with that one.
2: Well, uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly on uh, your first one, which I'm going to get back to here in a second. Josh McCown. So he's 64 on uh, FanDuel, only five on DraftKings. So really, to get the DraftKings, you're only shooting for 15 points on DraftKings. So I think that's certainly plenty doable. I even toyed with a Josh McCown, so I could afford some of the more expensive running backs a bit later. I, I don't think... Uh, That's a bad call. They're going to be in a position where they have to throw if they want to stay in this game. They're going to have to start throwing before they de-board the bus, I suppose. Um, The other one, Wilson, uh, I love it, traveling to Tampa. Expected to score just shy of 26 points, uh, 7,500 FanDuel, 6,700 DraftKings. I like that. I like that one a lot. Uh, I'll probably have him in a fair amount. Now, going from top to bottom, I I do like the Brady play. 9,100 on FanDuel, 7,800 on DraftKings. But, you know, he missed some time this week. Not usual for Brady. However, the Patriots, Vegas loves them. Or, I suppose, the betting public loves them. So, Vegas often has them as the highest implied team total. Again, 28.25. So, they're right up there. Uh, Opened as eight and a half point favorites. Jets invite the pass. Now, some negatives, though. Uh Brady versus the Jets on average 236 passing yards a game. On average 1.39 touchdowns a game versus the Jets in his career. I will say Buster Screen, Adrell Revis, 89th and 83rd in PFF Pro Football Focus's cornerback grading system. So pretty poor there that Brady could take advantage of. But for just 700 less On DraftKings, 7,100 on DraftKings, 8,600 on FanDuel. Breeze is at home. Implied team total of 26. We know Breeze. He's at home. He's got a quarterback rating of nearly 113. Breeze at home, 366 yards. Breeze at home, three touchdown average. So to me, between the two, I'm going to save the coin, and I think Breeze could even have a better day. So I like Breeze, but he's expensive, and I really want some high-priced running backs. Not to say I'm not going to have a lot of Breeze. I I like to vary my quarterbacks a bit, so I will have ownership of Breeze. Russell Wilson as well. I think Eli Manning's an interesting play. 6,500 on DraftKings, 78 on FanDuel. Giants favored by seven on the road. So if they're playing this one at the Meadowlands or at Giants' home stadium, they're going to be favored by probably double digits. They're expected to score 26 points. Cleveland giving up the most points. Two tight ends on DraftKings. I think they're going to will tie the touchdown guy. I think there's going to be a connection there. And Giants have really been passing as of late when they get in close. In fact, in the last two games, the Giants, Eli has nine red zone pass attempts. I think that bodes well for my my will tie guy, but I like Manning in this game. My official pick is going to be Carr. 6,100. So he's pretty cheap. 6,100 on DraftKings, 79 on FanDuel. They're home. I always like a home team. Home versus Carolina. Expected to be the second highest scoring game of the weekend slate. Now, Football Outsiders, weighted DBOA. Oakland, passing, number three in the league. So, according to Football Outsiders, the Oakland offensive line for their passing game is the third best in the league. Uh, I believe when I checked this, Oakland is allowing the least amount of quarterback hits in the league. The least amount, at least as of last week. It was the least amount by far, 22 hits as of last week. Um, They're just not letting him get touched. And when you don't let a guy get touched, he's not going to throw interceptions as much. He's not going to have happy feet in the pocket, not going to be sacked. Good things should ensue. Now, looking at his receivers, both Amari Cooper and Seth Roberts, Face pretty subpar corners, Daryl Worley and Leonard Johnson. Uh, they rank 80 and 104, respectively. So that's pretty far down there. Those are the corners that Derek Carr can be picking on. Now, on DraftKings scoring, Derek Carr's put up over 20 fantasy points 60% of the time this year. So you're talking 6,100. 3x value is what 18 points, a little over 18.3. I think that can be done, and remember, Luke Kuechly, likely going to be out with uh, the concussion. I think that's going to be big. So Carr's my official pick, uh just for a bottom feeder, bottom dollar guy, 5,371 on FanDuel. Palmer, you know, facing Atlanta. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. Haven't loved Palmer this year for as much as I loved him last year, as he was the, the my league of record quarterback. But good things happen when quarterbacks face Atlanta. Desmond Trufant, he's been limited all week. Their best cornerback game is expected to be a high scorer, 51 point over under, is what this thing opened up with on DraftKings. No other team's giving up more fantasy points to the position. They've allowed 297 yards per game to opposing quarterbacks. Now, depending on which site you go to, I suppose, a little caveat, I noticed uh, a couple sites said 297 one said 280-something, regardless. Both of them were basically the dead last, or I suppose the the best, if you want to play. If you want to play a quarterback against them, that is. So Carr is my guy. Palmer's real super cheap, and if I'm going to spend up, it's going to be Breeze. Uh, Manning is right there for a nice pivot play off Carr. Lots of quarterbacks, though. Lots of quarterbacks. So I like... Having a few quarterbacks in my back pocket, just in case I can't get those running backs, because, man, are they a plentiful. So are you ready to look at the running backs this week, sir? Absolutely. All right, baby. In the rearview mirror, uh, shooting for that 3x value, I'm at 3.52 on uh, running back spots. As I said, I got a lot. Now, you start two on DraftKings, and so I've got two officials. I've got two
1: other names to toss out. Who do you like, though, for the running back in DFS Week 12? All right, so I have two. I'll go the cheap one first. I got Chris Ivory, 5900 Yeldon, we actually don't know what's wrong with him. There have been no updates whatsoever that I've seen, and I'm a huge, I've become a huge Yeldon convert, so I've been trying to really track this because I have have him on lots of my teams. There's no information, so I'm just going to assume he's not playing. So Chris Ivory last week, I believe he had 6 for 75 uh, through the air. He ended up having, I think it was 17 for 31 on the ground. Not great. And it's in Buffalo. I just think he's going to get a lot of touches. If they can just open some things up, I mean, if he's going to get all the volume, it's going to be a really cheap play for 5900 The other one, Thomas Rawls, 7000 He's priced around players like Jonathan Stewart, Jordan Howard. I prefer Thomas Rawls, no question over them. Tampa Bay has a good front seven. But that's kind of about it. You know, they've been able to stop most of the most runners against them. But I still think Thomas Rawls is violent enough and powerful enough to break through. I think he's be fine. There's no CJ Pro the only real competition is Alex Collins, and I love Alex Collins. I'm a huge truther on, of him. But yeah, he's no, he's no Thomas Rawls. Plain and simple. So Thomas Rawls seven thousand, Chris Ivory fifty nine hundred. Those are really simple plays for me. Um, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't probably, I probably wouldn't put both of them in a lineup just because. You know, unless I'm going to go huge on wide receiver and huge on quarterback. But if I'm, if you're looking to get a cheap, a cheap running back for your number two, either one of those, I think is perfectly fine, depending on how cheap you want to go. Well, in GPP plays, tournament plays,
2: when you're playing against hundreds of thousands of people, you want to have a contrarian line if you want to differentiate a little bit. A lot of people are going to go running back heavy this week. It's just price-wise, it's a good week for running backs, good matchups, what have you. So I, too, like the Rawls. I've got him down. In fact, I almost want to make him one of my officials, except I usually like to start a wide receiver in my flex. Um, I've got two officials, but, boy, I'm darn close to just saying, screw it, I'm going to include Rawls as well. So I love him, you know, no pro size. And Rawls, man, that dude just is a beast. He is when he runs that ball. There's no regard for his body. and Got to love that. Um, Interesting, though. Gus Bradley, he's like a little uh, Bill Belichick too, right? Remember when Ivory was out and we nobody knew what the heck was wrong with him? Same kind of deal going on with Ivory. We haven't been able to really hear too much. Yeldon, as you said, I, I don't believe he's practiced all week. So that bodes really well for Ivory. My two official guys are going to be DeMarco Murray, AJ, Ajahi, excuse me, and then I'm going to toss out a name, David Johnson. Everybody loves David Johnson. How can you not? 9,500 on FanDuel, 8,900 on DraftKings for DJ. Averaging 23 points on DraftKings. That's about 2.6x value of his price right now. Um, facing Atlanta. Vegas expects this to be the highest scoring game of the weekend, as I said. DJ The man is impervious to game script. He's going to get it done no matter what is going on in the game. On the season, no other team has given up more receiving yards to opposing running backs than the Falcons. 634 yards, three TDs. There's not one other team that has even allowed over 600 yards. Last five weeks, three different running backs have put up north of 20 PPR points against the Falcons. So... I said Rawls. I Boy, do I love him. I really, really do, and I think he's going to be in a lot of my lineups. My two official calls, though, going to be DeMarco Murray and Jay Jahi. DeMarco Murray, 8,300, Vandal, 77 on DraftKings. Tennessee's at Chicago. Tennessee, they got stopped last week, but previously... To that, they have been on a tear in their last seven games. So even counting last week, last seven games, Titans have scored 30 points or more four times. Heck, they've only fallen below 26 once in their last seven, and that was last week. Now, you're going to have some recency bias there because we have short memories. Now, DeMarco Murray is 15.4 DraftKings points last week was his second lowest performance of the year, so I think he's going to be a little bit lower owned, and that's what a lot of times you're looking for to get an advantage. Chicago, giving up a rushing TD in the last three of four. I really think uh, DeMarco is going to bounce back nice. Ajahi, how can you not love this? 8400 on FanDuel, 7600 on DraftKings. Four DraftKings running backs are more expensive? I think this is a heck of a deal. Opening implied, team total for Miami is 27. They're at home. San Francisco, as I said at the top, allows 5.2 yards per carry. That's been a league high. Miami is the second in the league, averaging 4.8 yards per carry as a team, as a whole. San Fran allows the most fantasy points to opposing running backs. After three weeks of dominance, Mr. Ajahi, he only had nine DraftKings points two weeks ago and then 11.4. So, owners might be a bit off him. Recency bias, just like DeMarco Murray. I like that. In all but two games this season, San Francisco's opponents have had a 100-yard rusher. And in every game, except week one, an opposing running back had at least 100 all-purpose yards. That's the defense that Ajahi goes up against. So, Ajahi and Mr. Murray are my two official running back plays. Love me some rolls though and then we threw out david johnson and you threw out mr ivory as well turning over to the wide receiver spot um before i turn it over to you wide receiver not doing quite as well 2.5 x value on the whole on the season i think i could turn it around this week i got three official guys but uh, who are you taking at the wide receiver and dfs
1: Alright, so if you haven't figured it out by now, I kinda of like to do like the I like to highlight that one player that you're probably trying to figure out to put that last spot of the position. So I kinda of did that for my three here as well. I think these are three that people are gonna be kind of thinking about maybe should I put him in for this? Should I put him in for this? I need to get a cheaper player. So first one up, Michael Crabtree. He's just he's priced around dudes like Emmanuel Sanders and Mike Wallace, who I love by the way, and Jarvis Landry. I no, Crabtree has the most upside of those three. Mike Wallace gets capped at like 5 for 15 a touchdown. Landry's been crap lately. Emmanuel Sanders hasn't done much in a few weeks now. Michael Crabtree is by and far the most upside of the, th- of the four of them. So for me, 6800 that's easy. Michael Thomas deflated Price at 6400 He's had two bad games in a row. I mean, this is New Orleans. I don't know why people are acting like this is something new. This is not new at all. So for 6400 I like that cost. And then Steve Smith, solid floor. And it's a door Cincinnati team at this point. These are always tough divisional games between these two teams, and Steve Smith has been really turning it on the past few weeks. He's become a you know a PPR possession receiver, kind of like what Larry Fitzgerald has been doing. And so I like to play for 6,300. I mean, you really can't go wrong. It's a solid plug-and-play kind of a uh, uh, of a move. So, yep, Steve Smith, 6,300. Michael Thomas, 6,400. And Michael Crabtree, 6,800 on FanDuel. Those are my three.
2: Well, I've got two of the three written down. I was gonna talk Ayo. a little, talk, talk a little Crabtree. Before I get to my my main guy, Michael Thomas, who indeed is the the image of episode 54. He's our cover image. A couple of names just to toss out. Baldwin, 6,800 FanDuel, 6,400 DraftKings. Five red zone targets in the last two weeks. Seattle's on the road and expected to score over 25 points against Tampa. Can't go wrong with Baldwin. This is his time of year. So I like him. I also wanted to just toss out, Two names. One, Jordan Matthews. Keep in mind, this is the Monday nighter. So, if you are in a lot of the the slates, a lot of the tournaments are going to be just Sunday. So, the Big Millionaire Maker, which is twenty-seven bucks this week on DraftKings, you're not going to be able to get any Monday night guys. So, caveat. Just know, I like Jordan Matthews. It's a Monday night play. Fifty-six hundred on Fanduel. Five thousand DraftKings. Phillies home to Green Bay. You know what Green Bay has done lately. Phillies expected to score twenty-five points. You know, earlier, Doyle Green-Beckham talked about Rashard Matthews, Marquise Lee, brought those guys up as the, the pick and flick. I brought up how bad Green Bay corners were. Well, as bad as those corners are, believe it or not, the corners that Green Bay is starting, as opposed to, what uh, Rashard Matthews is going to see, as opposed to what Marquise Lee is uh, Marquise Lee is going to see, they're even worse. Uh, the one that Jordan Matthews is going to be matched up against is Micah Hyde, 96. He's rated by PFF. Hyde is the most picked on Green Bay corner for a reason. So I think they are going to really go to Jordan Matthews team. In, team out, week in, week out, they seem to pick on Hyde. I uh, like Jordan Matthews there. Devontae Parker, he, he's got a really nice price, 4700 on DraftKings. He's more on FanDuel, 6300 That's usually the case, but that's a, a larger price discrepancy. Now, Devontae Parker, uh, I really like him again on DraftKings, but he's playing San Fran when adjusting for schedule. They're dead last versus wide receiver in both PPR and standard. If you look at Pyromaniacs, fantasy points against chart, looking at wide receiver number ones, giving them the most targets, receptions, touchdowns, and FF points. That's what San Francisco does to wide receiver number ones. I'm going to say that again. Most targets given. Most receptions given up. Most touchdowns given up. Most fantasy points given up. San Francisco to wide receiver number ones. And let's just look back in their history. Last week, nearly every New England wide receiver scored. Let's go back before that. Arizona had two 100 uh, yard wide receivers. Week before that, Michael Thomas, two TDs. The week before that, three wide receiver touchdowns in one game. Before that, two wide receiver touchdowns to Buffalo. Then you've got week five. Now we're talking Larry Fitzgerald, two TDs. Week four, two wide receivers to score. It just goes on and on versus this team. That's who uh, Devonte Parker gets to pick on this week now my three official guys Michael Thomas you already talked about them I love me some Michael Thomas this week primarily he's going up against EJ Gaines as I said earlier PFF ranks 119 cornerbacks there are only three that have a lower grade than the guy that's going to be guarding Michael Thomas it should be no surprise he gets thrown at the most on this team, and it should be no surprise he's surrendering the most fantasy points per route run. I am all over Michael Thomas this week. Uh, they're, they've got a, that big opening spread. I talked about that where you'd think a seven point spread equates to a ground game, but the Rams, man, they're kind of a funnel D. I mean, they're not necessarily susceptible to wide receivers, but they're just so good against the running backs. As I said, only two running backs have gone for over 90 yards. People can. Take advantage of some of these corners, especially EJ Gaines. That's who Michael Thomas faces. I already said how good Breeze was at home. Heck, Michael Thomas. 82% catch rate at home, 70% on the road. My other two official calls, Sterling Shepard, 6,100 FanDuel, 55 on DraftKings. Basically, they face the Browns. Um, I looked up at the Pyromaniacs fantasy points against chart. Looking at opposing wide receiver number twos. Obviously, you got OBJ. Uh, Number twos, there is not a team out there, save the Browns, that give up more double-digit fantasy points on average. Not only that, they're allowing more TDs to wide receiver number twos than any other team. Sterling Shepard facing that defense this weekend in the Browns. Last pick, I already talked about him, so I'm not going to talk too much. Just his price, 4,600 FanDuel, 4,000 DraftKings. Kendall Wright, just to, to trot you down uh, the memory lane against LeBlanc has just been outrageously bad against slot uh, wide receivers. Kendall Wright's going to do it again. Uh, Will Fuller, Diggs, Hilton Cobb, Sterling Shepard, all scored touchdowns. And then, as I said, Martino and Aurelius Ben scored. I'm not sure if it was out of the slot or not, but that's a lot of TDs to be given up. I like the Tennessee wide receivers, and I like particularly Kendall Wright's matchup. All right. Gang, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. we got the tight end spot. Looking in the rear view, <laughs> Martellus Bennett hurt me and a lot of folks last week as he earned me a .65. So you're shooting for 3x? .65 is not right there. But uh, I'm still averaging 3.41, so above 3x value. I like
1: a lot of tight ends this week. Um, who are you taking, Sir? I going with two here. First one up is Jimmy Graham at 6,900. He's priced cheaper than Olsen, and Olsen hasn't really been doing much the past couple weeks. I think people are still going to be buying into him, and I just think that I would rather be investing in a player like Jimmy Graham, who defied the odds with his injury, and has managed to come back and put together a lot of good games this year. I think he keeps it up. I think the team's only getting better offensively. So Jimmy Graham at 6,900 is pretty easy. The other one's a little bit risky, but I still like it. Tyler Eifer at 6,400. It's a risky play. He's not a high-volume kind of tight end. He may see... He should see an increase in volume, but it's still... He's probably still tight-end dependent, but it should be a good floor. I think he's going to score a touchdown here, even if it's not really, you know... It's he's not going to blow you away. You're not going to get a high... Very, you know, very high, you know, points per return, but I think you're going to get a decent floor, so if you kind of want to just, you know, put in a sub-player with a lot of upside, that could do it, but most likely wouldn't. Tyler Eifert's kind of the way to go here.
2: Yeah, I was looking at that earlier. Um... Although the Ravens are particularly good against the tight end, Eifert might be that kind of player that is just impervious to that. And especially now, you don't have pass-catching back Geo. You don't have your your main guy, AJ. Could be a real nice situation there. So I was eyeballing Eifert as well. A couple of guys to toss out, and then maybe you can talk me down off a cliff. We'll see. Martellus Bennett. He's uh, 4,400 DraftKings, 54 FanDuel. I think here, what you got working for you is recency bias. Lots of folks were bit by him last week. They're not going to be on him this week. And I'm not saying I'm going to play him in my cash. Cash, you want a floor. You want steady performance. You want a a guaranteed thing. Why? Well, (laughs) you have to beat 50% of the the field. If you're playing in head-to-head, you only got to beat one person. If you're playing in the double-ups, you got to beat usually about 44% of the field, you want a solid floor in cash. In GPP, you want to differentiate. Now you're playing a huge amount of people. You've got to be far, far a smaller percentage. So GPP, I think Martellus Bennett is a nice play because everybody's going to be so against him. And Gronk is playing. In Gronk games, he does very well. Why? I think probably because they've got their best and brightest, maybe not their brightest, but their best, locked up on Gronk, leaving Martellus Bennett room to operate. Some other guys we already talked about, Will Tai, 4,600 duel. He's uh, 3,000 on DraftKings, pretty cheap there. Of course, tight ends go down to 2,500 on DraftKings. Again, the Browns, Giants, a uh, big favorite. Uh, they've been passing when they get in close, and I think Will Tai's going to— uh, I'm penciling him in for a touchdown— when you look at four for four schedule adjusted uh versus the Browns or Browns versus quarterback, they're twenty-eighth, and the Browns are dead last in PPR and standard against the tight end. So I, I like Will ties opportunity. You already said Fedorowicz. he too, same exact price, three thousand on DraftKings, forty six hundred on FanDuel. I gotta tell you, the Chargers, man. The Chargers have four down linemen. On IR. They got some other guys that are banged up as well. Jatavius Brown, one of two starting inside backers, has yet to practice this week. Brandon Flowers, their starting corner. He's going through concussion protocol. He's officially Um, out, by the way. They announced it like 10 minutes ago. Brandon Flowers. Yeah, he's out. See, that that makes some nice plays there. And a guy I'm going to talk about a bit later. However, Fedorowicz, um, CJ, using... Pyro's TPW or top positional weeks chart. He's been a top 10. Now, normally I looked at this, normally we chart the top 12 finishes and how many or who's finishing in the top 12 week in, week out, and how many times they do it. He's been top 10 in 40% of his games. So th- that's huge surprise. I don't know how many people had CJ Fedorowitz ranked too high at the start of the season, but he's been a pleasant surprise. I'm going to toss out another guy, Gates, because I just love him. I don't think this is going to be the week. But I tell you what, I'm having ownership of him. 4,200 DraftKings, 6,000 FanDuel. I'm going to be underweight for sure. Maybe just one lineup. Why? Well, this week, he's sitting at 109 as of right now. 109 touchdowns. Gonzalez, 111. He's only two away. I have to believe once he gets to be one away, everybody's going to know it. Rivers will know it, and Rivers, his legacy is tied to Gates. Rivers is going to want to get it just as much as Gates is. Well, maybe not as much, but he's going to pepper it to him once they are once they can see it within grasp, you know? So I could easily see him having a, a two or three touchdown game coming up because, heck, once you tie with Gonzalez, you want to get it all by yourself. Downside this week, they're playing Houston. They've only allowed two tight end touchdowns all season. All right, here's the one you got to talk me down. I am liking Olsen this week. Uh, I, I had this earlier. He was hot at the beginning. Cold as of late. Here's the thing. Faces Oakland. Historically, they're notoriously bad uh, for giving up points against the tight end spot. If you adjust for schedule, as 4 for 4 does, I like using that metric, only four teams are more favorable for opposing tight ends in PPR format. Now, this game opened at 48 points. Since then, it's gone up, but uh, Vegas, regardless, expects scoring to be done. The tight end spot, and here's what gets me, only Witten has more red zone receptions. At a game that is 48 over under, you're going to expect several red zone trips. He is the second most targeted um, tight end inside the red zone. What is your hesitation against going with Olsen because he's been so cold as of later? because Carolina has been so rough as
1: of late? I think it's Carolina as a whole and Olsen's been kind of a casualty. But, I mean, Carolina hasn't really been very good this year, period, offensively. They've had some flashes, but I just feel like it's just a, kind of a downward trajectory. They don't have much to play for at this point. There's no way they're winning the division. I just I just think that they're not going to really wait. You know, Olsen has probably a few years left, maybe let's say like three I just don't really see that they're gonna like really push him to, you know, put up these monster games, these monster years when it's not really necessary. They just don't seem that kind of team. So I just I just don't see the reason I just don't see Olsen doing that much for the rest of the year, to be honest. Not even just this week. I just think it's kind of a year thing. That I don't really want to be I, I if I had him in Dynasty, I would have been so happy to sell him like six weeks ago. Um, because his kind of his peak for the season has hit and now his values just kind of stagnate all the way until next year. And I just feel like for the rest of this year, He's gonna be a low end one, high end two at best, and you're gonna to want to play him every week because he's Greg Olson. And let's be serious, Greg Olson has been a really good tight end the past three years or so. So I just, I just think it's a trap. Um, I, I just think it's a trap you're gonna get stuck with every week. And I just, I don't like those kind of players. I hate that. I hate feeling forced to start someone like DeAndre Hopkins. I hate being forced to trade uh, to to start him every week. That's why I traded him on all my dynasty leagues about six months ago, and I feel awesome about it. Um, Greg Olson's starting to become that player for like you know in a in a seasonal league that's what it's feeling like and i just i don't like to have that in my team i don't like to start that i don't like to invest in it it's just a pain in the ass to be honest
2: well you got me thinking now if i were to back off on the olsen play and believe me i want to save that money um i haven't really been able to finagle uh, my two the two official running backs and i, and I double check this to make sure that you can get them in the lineup my two official dfs running backs so if you add up my whole recommended DFS crew, you're going to be able to get it in a lineup. However, I'd like to be able to get some other guys in there. So if my computer would work with me here, there we go. Uh, My two official guys, DeMarco Murray and Ajahi, I would love to be able to kick that up to David Johnson. So if I could save a little bit of coin at the tight end position, I think I would have to pivot down to Martellus Bennett. Now, I got to say... I believe he did not practice yesterday. He's already questionable, as is Gronk. But I think Gronk's going to go. Uh, yeah, uh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and pivot to uh, the Black Unicorn because you kind of sold me. You had a solid, <laughs> you had a solid argument, sir. So I'm pivoting. I'm highlighting Martellus Bennett. There are no refunds
1: to this information, by the way.
2: Hey, no, I, no refunds at all. I totally understand. We are in the business of predicting the future on. Imperfect, ever-changing, partial information. It's no, it's it's no, uh, it's no 100% guarantee by any means. So I'm with you. I'm going with Martellus Bennett, signed, sealed, and delivered. Moving over to the defense. You know, it's no surprise here. Defense has kind of been my weakness. I'm over 3x value on basically everything. I'm over. I'm in the top 10 on everything except defense. And if you look, of course, down. 2, the defense on DFS, 2.31. <sighs>
1: not doing good. Okay. Uh, I got a couple calls here, but who are you taking for defense? So I have two. I have Kansas City at 4,500. You have hmm. Justin Houston coming back. And it's, it's, it's Denver. It's Trevor Simeon. Like, I'm not really all that worried about it. Um, I'm not saying they're going to get you a lot of points, but I think it's going to be enough at that value that you're going to be happy that you invested your money somewhere else uh, in your lineup. And the other one is Baltimore. That's just free points, honestly. Forty-five hundred, also facing Cincinnati with Brandon LaFell and Tyler Boyd as number one and two wide receivers, and no Gio Bernard. I, it, it's these games are low-scoring as is. There are usually turnovers. It's tough. It's running football. It's cold. It's Baltimore. I got to go with Baltimore this one. All right. Number
2: one. All right. I like those calls. Uh, I like the Houston um, tidbit. Yep. That Houston returns. I think that's going to be a big factor. Real quick. They uh, yeah,
1: no, they have no pass rush without him. We've seen this all season, and he's a game changer. He's one of the best pass rushing linebackers in the league, plain and simple.
2: Well, and you saw it last week. I was all over uh, KC, but then you know when uh, Marcus Peters went out, it it was concerning, and I think uh, affected them. Marcus Peters, he did participate in practice Wednesday. Um, yeah, he's
1: likely, he's likely to play.
2: Yeah. Still questionable, but any time they're getting in practice that week before, we got to like that. So that's going to be an upswing for for KC. Nice uh, info there. I've got, well, Buffalo, their most expensive play on DraftKings. So typically, a little tip, I like to start with a very expensive defense, one that I really like, and then if I am, once I get down to my flex spot, which is always my last position that I pick, once I get down to my flex spot, if I'm just, you know, Five hundred dollars within a guy that I really want, I can come down and adjust the defense. I kind of play a little fast and loose with the quarterback spot. I always have names written down right next to me just in case, uh, and I like to vary my quarterbacks. I will play more standard running backs and wide receivers. You'll see a lot of my lineups somewhat similar. I'll have a few key running backs, key wide receivers. I vary it more at quarterback and tight end, or I'm sorry, quarterback and defense. Not that I vary a lot on defense, but. I got three Buffalo. They're real high-end. I'm going to start with them. Jacksonville is Jacksonville. We all know it. <laughs> That's the deal. Sign, sealed, delivered, boom. Uh, the Giants, 4800 3600 on DraftKings. So same price on FanDuel. You save 200 bucks on Giants on DraftKings. Facing Cleveland, as I said, McCown, out of 34 quarterbacks, there's only two that cannot pass or have not passed for 60% completion rate on aimed throws. So you're even tossing out the spikes in the throwaways. Still can't get it to 60%. Uh, Giants, seven-point road favorites. I think that's going to force McCown into some troubling positions that he's perhaps not going to be doing too well in. Garbage time, going to have to throw. Maybe the Giants get some sacks because he's holding out in the pocket too long. Maybe the Giants get some interceptions because of bad decisions. And let me tell you, Cleveland. Cleveland Browns have allowed their quarterback. To be hit 92 times. As I said last week, didn't check this week, but last week, Oakland, 22. That's an amazing difference. There are are actually, this week, six teams that have allowed less than half the quarterback hits that Cleveland has. That's a huge stat because that's going to play into um, interceptions and fumbles and sacks all of which you're looking for in the defense. Giants can give you my official call. I'm going to go chalk Tennessee. Uh, Talked him up. They're only 2,800 on DraftKings, 4,500 on FanDuel. Once again, no Kyle Long, no uh, Alshon Jeffrey, and we've got Barkley starting, as I said, week seven. 40% completion rate, two INTs, 81 passing yards. That is Mr. Matt Barkley. Uh, So I'm taking Tennessee as my official pick. Before we bat cleanup here and i have some fun with a few calls at the end i want to get ready for trivia question number four all right guys as i scroll as i scroll here we go now as you know this is a passing league we've been gearing this way for a while however there is just one team one team that actually runs the ball more than they throw the ball. I'm wondering, again, this is through week 11, I'm wondering if you can conjure up the team that actually runs more than they throw. You're going to answer that as you folks at home. In just a moment, hang with the PyroLite podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Pyromaniacs? As you know, the wealth of Pyromaniac podcasts can be found on iTunes, Spreaker, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, and blog Hawk Radio. Now I'm reading reviews at the top of each show. Uh, Earlier in the season we released, or we uh, raffled off, I suppose, three Walter Payton Sweetness limited edition posters. Any reviews given since that date? are now going to be entered into our next drawing. So get a review in there. You're going to get it read on the air if it's iTunes. And if you want me to read it on the air, just do a screen grab and then send it on over to mozambique at pyromaniac.com. It's on Twitter. I am at pyromaniacmo. You can see my email right there. You'll be entered into our next giveaway. And, of course, we'll read you on the air if it's on iTunes or if you bring it to my attention. So give us a review if you would please. All right, guys, before the break, I asked, there is one team out there in this passing league that we have become, there's one team out there that actually runs the ball more than they throw. Can you tell me who this one team is
1: through 11 weeks? Because I actually heard it the other day, because they were playing, it is the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, I, you've swept this. Ding,
2: ding, ding, sir. Um, You know, in, in years past, anybody who has done well We've given trips to Antigua oh, and nice. uh, no, not Antigua. As- Whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not Antigua. Not Antigua. Kazakhstan. That's we can fine. get I'll you, go there. We can get you to Kazakhstan on a flight that's going to have sheep and chickens. what um, I lived in the Middle East. are You kidding me? Like, uh, not the all community. right. So uh, you don't even need sunblock. It'll be beautiful. Uh, right. One time it's, we it's gave not very away. Sunny there to be honest, it's pretty cold. in Kazakhstan. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it'll it'll be wonderful. We, one time we gave away a corn baller. From the uh, Arrested Development show, the Bluth family cornballer. This week, no guarantees, but I just might be able to get my hands on a slightly used fly swatter that we can send your way anytime you like, sir. But done. Yes, I know, right? Slightly used, so it's going to attract them, and uh, they will never suspect what's coming. (laughs) Now, I got to tell you though, the Cowboys fifty-one. 0.15%. 015 percent. The Bills, they've been there um, most of the season. Even last year uh they did that. They held that record. They're really close right now. 49.75. Um the Bengals, whoops, the Bengals have um indeed they've scored a red zone touchdown exactly 50% of the time with the run. So the Bengals are a running team. Not that they're running as much as these other teams, but I like it that they get in close. I'm saying this because we're going to talk a a bit about a Bengal player here soon. And then, of course, the Bills. Not only are they running 49.75% of the time, but when they get in close, they've scored a red zone touchdown 63% of the time. Uh, with the run. So they're, they're running almost as much as they're passing, and they're running it far more when they get in the red zone. So I'm always uh, curious or, or keeping those. I'm curious as to who runs it more and who runs it once they get in close. Those are the, the running backs I'm keeping on file. And that's going to prelude right into my fade play of the week. Um, my fade is going to be... Jeremy Hill, and I I want to get your take on this. I wrote this up for the Daily Do's and Don'ts. I even said I'm not fading him 100%. I just want to be underweight on Hill. And by that, you know, I don't know, less than 10% of my tickets, of my plays this week, am I going to have Jeremy Hill. 5,900 FanDuel, 3,900 DraftKings. Now, here's the thing. A lot of folks are going to be on him. No A.J. Green. No Geo. He's a starting running back in the NFL, available for under $4,000 on DraftKings. How can you not? Well, one, I kind of want to leverage that popularity. So if a lot of guys are indeed on him, and he does not perform, good for me, bad for the rest of the field. So in GPP, I like that a lot of people are going to be on him, and I'm hoping he doesn't do well, that's going to vault me ahead of those players, give me a bit of an advantage over the masses, because situationally, it looks great. How else? Who else are you going to get for that price? That's probably going to see that ball that much. My number one reason: Baltimore. There's only one team in the NFL that does not allow at least eighty per eighty. I'm sorry, eighty rushing yards per game, and that indeed is Baltimore. Seventy-six rushing yards game in, game out. On DraftKings, there's only one other D out there that gives up fewer points per game to the running back spot. Finally, they're a bit of a funnel D when you adjust for schedule. Using 4 for 4, schedule adjusted, Baltimore is the toughest D for opposing backs to face in PPR. Number 2 in standard, however, against the pass, they rank pretty low. Rank 30th in standard, 26th in PPR. So in other words, in PPR formats especially, I think people, D offenses, really look to pass on them because that's the the chink in the armor. You know, Bilbo Baggins, he uh, he knew, I believe he saw that soft spot under Smog's belly, knew there was one way you could stop him, and I think the one way that teams can get at Baltimore is through the air, not the ground, avoid Jeremy Hill. What do you think about that? Are are you down with avoiding Hill, even though he's so cheap on DraftKings, and he's going to get the ball a lot?
1: There's literally nothing that could happen for this game that would make me want to invest in Jeremy Hill. Like they lost every part of you know target and touch competition, and I still sit there and go, no, I don't want anything to do with Jeremy Hill. He's just he doesn't have it. He doesn't have the ability to break away. He doesn't have the skills set necessary to take on a large workload. They know that they don't trust him to do it. He's like 230 pounds, and he tries to dance like Shady McCoy. He just doesn't have the skills set necessary to overcome. A good defense like Baltimore, and especially not when they have no one to throw to except for Brandon LaFell and Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert. That like, that's it. It's not enough to take a, to compensate for what he lacks across the board in athleticism, in production, everything. So I, I don't understand the Jeremy Hill hype that's happening recently. The same thing's happening in Dynasty. I just I just don't get it at all. He's No. No thank you. The offensive line has been trash for most of this year as well, and that's been one of the strongest with the Cincinnati. So they lose number one wide receiver. They lose, to me, their more talented running back. And their offensive line has been terrible, yet I'm supposed to believe that somehow Hill's going to get better because of this? Yeah, no. If this were 2014, second half of the season, I could maybe buy into that. But that team was just fully functional at that point. And, yeah, there's no way Jeremy Hill does better than what he's done now, which is, at best, a low-end wide re- uh, running back, too.
2: Yeah, and even, you know, last week, I know... Ezekiel Elliott's Ezekiel Elliott, but Ezekiel, he got 97 yards, but on 25 carries. Now, if my math is right, that's less than four yards a carry for arguably the best back right now in in the NFL. know, Arguably, I'm not here to get an Ezekiel argument, but I'm just saying if they can stop him and prevent him from getting four yards a carry, I don't think I'm going to get much argument with saying Jeremy Hill is no Ezekiel Elliott. Right? Yeah, no, it's not even close. So I think that's a huge argument. If Zeke couldn't do it, why would he be able to this week? So as I said, I, I might have you know one percent ownership. Uh, toss him out there in one DFS lineup. That's it. I really hope other people jump on him um, because of the expected perform or the expected workload, and I want to leverage that. Uh, which guy are you fading
1: in DFS this week? Jordy Nelson. He's priced at 8000 I mean, he's priced like a top, I think, six wide receiver. And it's just so, ugh. I mean, I'm not a big Jordy Nelson fan in general, and I give him credit. He's come back from the injury. It took a while. It took about six games for him to be kind of, you know, relevant again. But, I mean, it's. I feel like you're paying for pass value. He scored a touchdown in four, uh, the last four weeks. I mean, his fantasy points were 19.4, 22.4, 30.6, 11.8. I just, it's on relatively low volume overall. And before that, I mean, he was kind of a middling wide receiver too. And I just, I feel like you're paying for pass performance. And yes, it's an ideal matchup. I will say that Philly is not very good, but that leads me to believe that because they're not very good, they're not going to force feed. They're not going to try to, you know, they're not going to need to win. Like they're not going to need to, you know, get those key passes at key moments. They're going to be able to throw it around as much as possible, which means Devonte Adams, I think is going to do very well. I think that Randall Cobb might even do well, although I think he's terrible. Um, but Jordy Nelson, I just don't see this being a big game for him. I feel like you're paying top eight price for his ceiling. And I really hate paying for ceiling. Um, as if, I, I, let me rephrase that in a way that makes more sense out of Dynasty. When you're paying for peak value, it just makes no sense. So you're paying as if everything goes right. Right. And I don't want to yeah. pay that price. This is the same thing that was happening with uh, like Tyler Lockett over in the, the offseason in Dynasty. Everybody was like, oh, he's worth you know two first round picks now because Matt Harmon loves him and you know, he's going to he's gonna be the next Allen Robinson and blowing up. And it's like they were pricing his value off of what they hoped would happen or what was expected out of him given per- perfect circumstance. Of course, we ignore the fact that Kristen Michael was running back for a while. Russell Wilson was injured. Tyler Lockett was injured. The defense wasn't playing as great as usual. So I don't want to. So with Jordy Nelson, I feel like you're acting as if everything is going perfectly for him. And that he's 100%, that the offense is going to funnel to him, that he's the main focus, that he's going to get the majority of targets, blah, 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 blah. And I don't like paying for those kind of players. Like, that to me is just fool's gold. You're going to end up being pissed off at the end. He's going to finish you know, wide receiver 18 when you're paying for wide receiver 7. And that's just, I don't like that. That to me, I like to try to balance out the equilibrium there.
2: Yeah, Blake Bortles was drafted this year based off his peak performance last year. Never had over 4,000, never had more than, I think, 25 uh, touchdowns to last year. Then he outdid it by 10, and everybody's drafted him way too high. That was based off of ideal value. If he can somehow duplicate his best career performance, which he put up last year, then maybe he was worth his draft spot. But how often is that going to happen? So I'm with you. I like it. How about a stack play for those DFSers out there? A lot of times people think it has to be quarterback, wide receiver. doesn't have to be, although, heck, that's usually the case. And sometimes you can even go two, maybe even three wide receivers, the the Voltron, and and stack uh, four or five guys on a team. Now, it can also be quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Maybe you do running back defense. So just to let other folks know, stacking just means you are either taking advantage of a team or sometimes you can even game stack and take advantage of a real high-scoring game. Maybe you're getting two or three wide receivers in one game. Maybe they play on both sides of the ball, but you're betting on that high-scoring, over-under, you're going for the over kind of game. So that's a stack. You're just taking advantage of something, either a team or a
1: game, Who are you looking to take advantage of in Week 12, Chris? Who are you stacking? I'm stacking the Raiders. you got Derek Carr, Michael Crabtree, and Latavius Murray. I don't want to invest in Amari Cooper this week in DFS because his price is really high. And while he he may – he's like Jordy Nelson. He may give you that value back, but I don't want to invest in it. So for me, I love Michael Crabtree's value. I'm I'm not thrilled with Latavius Murray's value. It's okay. Derek Carr at 7,900. I feel like with the three of them, if you want to put them together, I would get that completely. I feel like it's gonna give you a good foundation. It's gonna give you a good solid block. I'm not so sure. Like it really depends on I think the type of play that you're doing. If you're trying to stand out a little bit, this might be the way to go with it. Um, but yeah, like there are some other ones I was looking at, but this was the one I kind of looked at for three. Like if there, you know, there are better two stacks that you might want to do or even four. But for three, this is the one. I'm, this is the one I want to go with. Derek Carr at 7,900, Michael Crabtree at 6,700, and Latavius Murray at 6,600. On uh, FanDuel
2: I like it I'm going to even uh, add something on to that one here In just a moment now uh, My stack, I- I'm really looking at Sometimes what a lot of folks will do um, Is stack a Running back and a defense I really like, as I said, I think it's a chalk play The defense for the Titans Going up against the Bears And I like DeMarco Murray We're talking exotic smash mouth If all goes well, you could see the game script If a team gets up early they're going to want to do what? What? Chew clock, run the ball, keep the clock moving. So that would imply if you get to that point, the defense has done well, and then the running back is going to get more use. So I'm really betting on the game script here. I'm betting on a positive game script for the Titans facing a Barkley-led Bears. I'm betting that the Titans will be up early, and the Titans are going to hang on to that lead and run the ball and play D. De- DeMarco Murray and the Titans – I also like, because I talked about both these guys in my DFS, I like a Breeze, Michael Thomas. I said it before, Breeze at home, uh, three TDs, 366 yards at home. Michael Thomas, 82% catch rate at home, and and primarily he's got a very soft um, guy. He's going up against an EJ Gaines. Again, pro football focus grades out 119 cornerbacks. You only got to go four down to get to EJ Gaines at 115. Now, those are my two stack recommendations. For the What You Talking About, Willis, I got three, and I'm going to kick it off. Now, just to, if you're new to the show, welcome. And uh, What You Talking About, Willis? This is the sort of the double take, like, what? Um, On DraftKings, the minimum price for a wide receiver and a running back is $3,000. So basically within $500 of that. So $500 within the minimum price. So if I'm just using DraftKings as my example... I want a guy that's either 3000 the minimum price, or $3,500. So, within $500 of the minimum, if you're looking at tight end, maybe $2,500 to uh, $3,000. That's on DraftKings. The minimum price on FanDuel for wide receiver running back, $4,500. So, you're talking $4,500 to $5,000 there. $3,000 to $3,500 on DraftKings. These are the guys we're talking about. I'm kicking it off. going to give you that quadruple stack. You said car. Grab Latavius. I like Seth Roberts for $3,000. One, it's going to allow me to get some of those running backs I was talking about. Um, I have a Ajahi and, I believe, Murray. I would love to be able to get a Ajahi and DJ David Johnson. Having some guys like a Seth Roberts might just get you there. Faces Carolina at home. I love it when teams play at home. I talked about how... Carr has all sorts of time in the pocket because that Oakland uh, offensive line is not allowing people to touch the quarterback. Opened up with 26 expected points for Oakland. Now, I said EJ Gaines was so bad. The guy who's guarding uh, Mr. Roberts, the slot corner in Carolina, Leonard Johnson, ranks 103 out of 119. Now, Carolina versus wide receiver threes. They've allowed Brandon Coleman a touchdown. Now, depending on which one you want to call a wide receiver three, John Brown or JJ Nelson. Difficult to call, but it doesn't matter. John Brown scored a TD. JJ Nelson scored two against this Carolina team. Aldrick Robinson scored a TD. So they've been a little susceptible to wide receiver threes. I like me some Seth Roberts in this game. You got two more to
1: roll out, but who do you have for the what you talking about, Willis, bottom dollar price pick? All right, so I got two. My first one up is actually Alex Collins at 4500 C.J. Process is now injured. Alex Collins is a clear-cut number two in Seattle. And this is still Ronald's only second week back. He's a solid college producer. He's not a great athlete, but he could get some goal line play. He might even get a touchdown. So that's a, that's a simple one for me. If you're just looking for like that shot in the dark kind of play, I like Alex Collins this week. My other one is actually Paul Perkins, who is a player I really do not like in any way possible. I think that he's the worst running back in New York, and I think he's the worst at everything he does. And I, but for $4,500 against the Browns, there's a very decent chance that the, the Giants realize that Rashad Jennings has like a ticking time clock that he can only play well for about seven games a year. And they, they might want to save that for not Cleveland. And they might actually want to yeah. give Paul Perkins some run here because they want to see what they have in him because it's a very likely scenario that the Giants go running back in 2017. And that I think they should. And if they do so, they're gonna have. If they if they're gonna do that, they need to at least make sure that Paul Perkins is not their future. And I think they're gonna give him some play around against good de- uh, against bad defenses. So they can say, Hey, Paul, you sucked. You didn't, you didn't even beat up on Cleveland, so that's why we're gonna draft somebody else. Not that they have to justify themselves to Paul Perkins of all players, but you understand my point. Um, so both in gotcha. the 4500, that's easy for me because either one of them could see a large workload based off of nothing other than simply their starter just not needing to be there to win the game for them. Seattle does not need Thomas Rawls to do well to beat Tampa, and Giants definitely do not need Rashad Jennings to beat Cleveland. So I think that both of them could get extended work more than usual. All right, so we've got uh,
2: two from you. I've already laid down the one. Seth Roberts, I'm going to lay down two more. Another uh, Seattle play, Kurtz. Kurtz. is He's just another guy. Uh, I watched all of his um, looks, or I guess his targets last year. So for 2015, saw every ball thrown at him. I sat down and watched all of Lockett's as well. I'm here to tell you Lockett is definitely better. Curse seems like just a guy never, never do I remember one play where after the catch he did something that made me you know, jump, drop my jaw or look twice or even didn't even do that. But, 3,000 min-price, DraftKings, Seattle expected to score over 25 points going against Tampa. Tampa has given up the 10th most PPR points to opposing wide receivers in the last five weeks. They've allowed 14 wide receivers to put up double digit PPR days. Curse will see perhaps the worst slot corner in the league Vernon Hardgraves III. Again, PFF 119, this guy 113. So he he's right up there with debatably the best, worst, excuse me, the worst slot corner. That's who Curse is going up against. I also got to tell you Braxton Miller. He is uh, my official call here because if you want to get in the lineup that I recommended from DFS, you got to have a cheap guy to do it, Braxton Miller. Although I might even rotate some Seth uh, some Seth Roberts in there, but Braxton Miller is my official pick. 3000, so he's minimum on both sites. Home to San Diego and again, here is my bullet. Yeah, I know it's Brock. But for the rock dot rock bottom Price. You're getting a more involved wide receiver, perhaps, than you realize. Last week received seven targets and scored a TD. Will Fuller only garnered four targets. In fact, Fuller has not seen seven targets since week seven. And that's what Braxton Miller got last week. Miller will face Trevor Williams. PFF has graded as the worst of the three starting San Diego corners. In fact, Williams is getting picked on by opposing passers. He's being targeted 32% of the time. Out of all starting cornerbacks this week, 16 games this week, out of all starting cornerbacks, no other corner gets thrown at more than Williams. So Brock, I think, is going to take notice of that. I think the Houston coaching staff knows this. So I think Braxton is going to get more targets, peppered with targets, let's say, than he usually does. Lots of opportunity. That's all I'm asking for at 3,000. Opportunity. Now, Brock, I think he's going to have a bit easier of a time in the pocket. San Diego, nine down linemen and four are listed as on IR currently. So they've only got five healthy bodies for their down linemen. Uh, That is one reason they're earning such a low adjusted sack rate according to Football Outsiders. Only two teams get to the quarterback on a fewer percentage of plays. That's who Brock is going to see. He's going to have a bit more time and he's going to be able to go after Trevor Williams, the guy who Braxton Miller's going up against. So I like Braxton Miller. All right, sir. We've uh, we've reached the end of this fine fantasy football
1: podcast. Thank you for sitting in with me. It's been a pleasure, man. Sorry, the microphone button just doesn't seem to want to work when I want it to. No, it was fantastic. That's what my really wife did. says
2: all the time.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what she said. Jokes. Oh. But bum. I'm a sucker for those. I'll be honest. Um, no, no, it's really, it's been great. I loved it. It's very different talking about and looking and analyzing redraft. It's so, it's so different. Um, and it's, it really like it was when you sent me that sheet about Kirk Cousins from a couple weeks ago. I was in there going. Holy crap! Like that's what I do in the off season. Like that's what I I look at things from such a seasonal perspective that I had to like I spent so much more time on all this different stuff to try to pick my players. And then my reasoning is still dynasty related. It's always dynasty. Like that's my mindset is, um, you know, like at least like a few weeks kind of uh, point of view. So it comes out differently. But um, yeah, no, it's been great. Absolutely, I loved it. It's been definitely a it's been a real eye opener for me. I really appreciate it.
2: Well, absolutely, it's been a great having you on. Thank you for coming. And folks, uh, if you like this, uh, you can get so much more at FF Podcast Network. We've got a Facebook page, but all of us were really supporting and tweeting out each other's works. FF Podcast Network, check it out on Facebook. Uh, any one of us, if you follow one of us on Twitter, Chris is at Chris Whitman 11. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Uh, Pyromaniac, we're often tweeting out stuff for Dynasty Happy Hour, which Chris is a part of. And uh, as you, as I say, as Chris says. Uh, we're here to support one another because uh, the Dynasty Happy Hour, as the name implies, focus Dynasty pyromaniac. You know, we're, you know what we do, but everybody's got a little niche, and we're all self-started podcasts. So check out the FF Podcast Network. Um, we, we are here to support one another, and uh, Chris has been a part of that,
1: and uh, we, it's been a good experience being with FF Podcast Network. Wouldn't you agree, sir? Absolutely. I mean. Of course, we have the few lazy people in the group. But other than that, everyone's been really open. If you have questions about podcasting in general or trying to get content out, I mean, everybody's super helpful. You always get answers within like five minutes. I'm one of those people, too. Just like you, whenever you, whenever you open up your Twitter page, you always check it because you yep. always see the notification there and you reshare everything right away. It's Yeah, like if you have a question about anything, it's really been a very supportive network of different podcasts. And everybody does something completely different. Like, I've listened to every single podcast on there, at least, you know, a couple episodes. Because I was just curious because there's been a huge increase in podcasting for fantasy football the last couple of years. And so, I yeah, they're all wildly different. And it's been super interesting to me to get, like, different perspectives about things and different analysis and, you know, focus of players, things like that. So, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, if you're in the Dynasty, you can gladly check us out if you want to get into it. It's one of the, you know, one of the more popular forms of fantasy football that's going on now. People are starting to really get into it, just like Superflex. It's kind of like that growing trend. Um, just know that if you listen to one episode in isolation, it might sound like we like really crappy players. So we spend a lot of time on backups because we're always curious about backups because yeah, backups yeah. win you leagues. Yeah. Look at the Fonda Freeman last year, look at J.J. this year, Robert Kelly. Anyways, um so those are the kind of players we like to harp on a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you listen to the show for a couple episodes, you'll get a lot more deeper analysis. Uh, but yeah, we do like to focus on you know the number twos and threes on teams because you know, or the you know rising players or growing trends over a longer period of time. So that's you know we spent a lot of time on Devonta Parker and Dante Moncrief in the off season. I mean, I really think that that took up about 17 episodes between the two of them. Um, but yeah, like when, when the draft happens, that's I I love to rely on Dynasty uh, the analysts for this because they are working year round. A lot of them watch college football religiously. So if you're into that kind of stuff, we're gonna be doing a lot of that in the off season. But yeah, Dynasty, I mean, we are pretty we are pretty hardcore focused on Dynasty. We don't really look at it on a week-to-week basis. Um, we all are redraft players, but to varying degrees and varying degrees of like knowledge of redraft trends and statistics. So yeah, it's a it's a fun time. I mean, we really enjoy it. All right. Thank
2: you, sir, for uh coming on the Pyro Light. It's been my pleasure. Appreciate you uh coming on and doing this. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. He is Chris Whitman. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Whitman11. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo, and uh, I'm going to sign off here and move right on for the Talking Heads. You're going to get to enjoy uh, This Must Be the Place in its entirety. Until the next time, we will catch you on the flip side.